Hi. Hi, and welcome to Gay Out the City. I'm your host, Prince Electro Diamond, and today I am here with New York City burlesque dancer, OnlyFans content creator, 2022 Glam Award winner for Best Burlesque, Richard JMV, who is can be seen at Club Coming Thursday at 7.30 p.m., is currently raising money for Broadway Bears, will be at Boxers and Health's Kitchen on Saturday, and is starring in the Village in a Disco Daydream on Broadway in June. How are you doing today, Sexy? I'm doing well. How are you? And hello to I'm all good. the viewers. Right. I'm so excited to interview you. I'm ready. I'm ready for this. I'm excited yeah. to be here. I love doing interviews. I think they're so much fun. Yeah. Currently, actually, I will say this. You're actually my first non-binary person as well. So, like, this will oh. be. Yeah. Okay, okay, come on, non-binary, come on, NB. Yes. Representing. Right. So, where are you originally from? Um, hell. Uh, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm from I'm from upstate New York, between Binghamton and Syracuse. Like, think town of like seven to eight thousand people in the middle of nowhere. Like more cows than people. Just... Not, not that small. I actually, I unfortunately. Ugh live in my hometown now but i'm in like a smaller suburb that's like a little bit north of west palm beach i'm like 45 minutes to an hour away from west palm beach okay how many what's, yeah. what's what is the what is uh the population of where you're at ah uh, three i we no i wish it was that small god it's literally grown and i don't know why I literally asked somebody who like moved from New York City to here, who's like now lives here. I'm like, I'm like, why the fuck did you move here? Because they want to vote blue in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, every vote counts, right? Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm from North New York. It's a small hodunk town. Um, there's only a few like red lights. The most exciting thing there is to, is to go to Walmart at like midnight. Um, oh, or, yeah, I know most, some, some people that live in my hometown have never been to a shopping mall. Um, they think of New York what? city as like another planet. Um, it's, you know, I appreciate where I grew up because it taught me a lot about small towns. Um, but also that I wanted to get the hell out of there and get to a big city. Um, yeah, it, I, it was just wild growing up in a small town as a queer kid. Right. And I'll say to anyone, like, do whatever you can once you get out to not come back. I had to come back. I was living in Orlando for four years, and then, like, something happened with an apartment. Like, I was living on my own, and then, like, all of a sudden, I just had to, like, come home. It's one of those things where I got kicked out, so it's, like, back home, trying to yeah. raise money. But I... Yeah, I mean, I get that. I totally get yeah. that. I, I'm from, again, I, I had every opportunity because i'm i'm sober as well so you know when i yeah. wasn't sober there were a lot of times that i was like nearly homeless and right. the, uh, where i almost had to move back home and you know luckily i got sober and i was able to stay in the city and like bite tooth and nail to stay here um but i mean it's a lot of hard work it's really hard work to you know not go back home so but yeah. it, there's also nothing wrong with having to go back home and to save money so you can go back out on your own again yes and i particularly my thing is, I'd love to live in New York City, but I'm someone who at some point wants to own a condo, and I know I can never do that in New York City. 
So I'm going to move to the south version of New York City, Atlanta. Oh, come on, Atlanta. I love Atlanta. Yeah. Atlanta's such a beautiful place. And the food, yeah. the food, and, and the men's, the men's. Gorge, like gorge. It's I love Atlanta. So that's a great place for you to go. Um, and yeah. never say never because New York, you know, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Manifestation. Well, here's the thing. I am someone who like till very, very recently, I said if it wasn't Atlanta for me, it'd be New York. And then all of a sudden I met people from LA. Because I was mm. very anti-LA for like the longest time. I'm like they're all stuck up. They're all egotistical. They're all like, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. very much me. And, <laughs> yeah. then, and then I met a few nice people from LA, and I'm like, well, maybe I could go out to LA. Nice people, <laughs> LA. What? What? Just kidding. No, I love LA. I have yeah. friends out there. <laughs> right. So as I said, Atlanta. Some point, move somewhere else. Probably. I don't like to be places for a long time. Like, that's... Oh, you're I've... a traveler. You bounce here and there and everywhere. I love it. It's because, like, it's also... I want to experience queer culture everywhere. Because, like, I've been to New York. I've never been to gay New York. Because, like, when I went there, I was in high school. And, like, mm. it was on a school trip. So I've never seen, like... Greenwich Village or anything like that and it's like I feel like that's something at some point I just have to see so you saw it through the lens of like Times Square I'm assuming yes mm, yeah that's very similar to in high school because going on trips um in high school for choir because we'd go see a Broadway show and go for food and they'd right. give us like an hour to like do things you had to stay in a little group but they gave us like an hour mm -hmm. to go with our friends to go shopping and an hour is never enough to, time to go shopping in New York but um Unless you live here and you're like, I just got to go pick something up quick. But right. um, then, you know, it was it was the same thing. And then by the third trip we got here, I was like, I want to live here. I want to do everything here. Like, I don't think I'll ever make it here. But, like, I need to be here. I need to be here. And I would, like, walk in front of people because they were, you know, gazing up at all of the skyscrapers. Like, can you, like, walk? And right. I, so you knew that I belonged here right away when I was like, can you just, like, walk? Right. <laughs> and it's... And it's also, one of, well, actually, one of the things I'd love to do is, like, go to New York, particularly, like, right near the end of Pride, because literally, my birthday falls on the same day as the Stonewall riots. It's, like, one of those things where it's, like, You're maybe cancer? I was... Yes. Yes. I am, too. July 3rd. Yeah. yeah I'm June 28th. Like... Mm -hmm. You said Stonewall riots. I was like, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, it's, like, to... Do that and, like, be in New York City at the time would be great. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll get there at some point. Like, Who knows? Maybe maybe, yeah. maybe you'll have to do a live stream here and during Pride Month. Who knows? Anything is possible. I would love to. I would love to. My thing is, as I always tell people with this podcast, I love asking people to interview, getting people to, like, commit and then like stick to a schedule that's not necessarily the easiest <laughs> mm. and someone like me who's adhd like good luck <laughs> well i did it and like so uh, there's one person i hit up they're like 
I tried to schedule them for like the first week of April, and they're like, hit me up the second week of April. I hit them up. I've been hitting them up every time. I'm like, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? Like, I'm someone who's like persistent, where it's like, I will fight to get the interview, and I will be a pain in the ass. Like, do you have do you have Virgo in your chart? I don't know. We'll find that out eventually. Not 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 on the live stream, but we'll definitely yeah. find out because I, I'm desperate to know if you have Virgo in your chart because that is a very Virgo trait. Right. Yeah. So, okay. Well, being in a small town, what was it like growing up for you as a kid? Ooh, as a little queer kid in a small town. Um, I, when I was like young, like I knew there was something like about me that was different and uh people would you know make comments and they would say things that like you know the the f slur which i'm not going to say live here because i'm not sure about um viewers but you know it's uh it's a word that i've learned to reclaim but at the time it's like when you're a kid in a small town and you hear that and it like just registers bad 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 um you know i had i had a pretty decent childhood though i i mean i grew up in um my grandparents restaurant my grandparents owned this like diner style restaurant um, I still remember the phone number of it randomly. Um, I I started dance lessons when I was in sixth grade. And then, you know, by the time I was 11, I came out of the closet, like, because I just knew there was something about me that's different. I know I was so young, but I was like, I am not, I'm not like everyone else. I am not like these other people. And so it immediately, like, be turned into people uh, taunting and teasing. And I, you know, I had my family who was supportive, thankfully. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't the easiest thing to do. Um, and a lot of the times in high school, um, I would show up late, um, because I just didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be in school where I was going to be taunted. I didn't want to be in school where I didn't feel welcome because of these other kids. Um, and I did have my safe spaces, like in choir, like I loved choir. Yeah. Choir was my favorite thing in the entire world because I could just be there and be queer and like live my life and like sing these like super queer songs and talk about things I did. I, I had no idea about musical theater in high school. So people would be talking about it and I would try to listen in. Um, and then there was, you know, the times I would be bullied and I try to have something be taken care of it. Um, the assistant principal would, because I, okay, so let me do a little map really quick. God. Like, so here's, here's the choir room, right? I would right. have to go here then here to go to my locker, which is across from the the main office. And then I would go up and then take a turn to go to the cafeteria. There's a hallway around the other side. Um, but my principal is like, well, if you're going to go this way and you're going to the, the mirrors where the seniors sit and they're going to tease you, why don't you just walk around the other way? And I was like, why do I have to walk around the other way? Why don't you just do something about it? And so it became like, like every single day this thing was happening. So I finally went to like this caseworker slash counselor in my high school um, and she took care of it. Like she followed 30 steps behind me and she took care of it. And I actually was uh, put in contact with her uh, last week again and we reconnected. And I was like, thank you so much for everything that you did for me when we were in high school. Um, it, re it really did help. And then my other safe space, well, this is a double-edged sword. Um, after school, um, from the time I was like 12 or 13, I would spend the hours of 3.30 until 9 or 9.30 at the dance studio Monday through Friday. Um, and I, I loved it. Um, it was also another safe space for me at the time, what I thought was a safe space. Um, 
And then, you know, there was one time I remember somebody would walk, uh, the football team would walk by and the windows were open. I was assisting um, one of the teachers for their class and they were yelling, you know, queer slurs at me from across the street in their jerseys, which was stupid for them. Um, and I remember, I remember these little kids going up to the window, started yelling at these football players to stop it, like in, in defense of me, which was like, wow, okay work and then uh by the way they were benched for like two or three more games after that <laughs> or because yeah because we took care of it um and it was it was so like there's there were the bad parts about it but then when you know i was in the dance studio um at the time i felt safe i i felt um like i had an outlet to dance and i had an outlet to express myself and i had an outlet to be queer um and so there, there were definitely saving graces to my childhood. And then, you know, the ability to, after turning 18, go to a gay bar an hour away because I was 18 was life-saving. And um, my senior year of high school, I went to uh, Fire Island Memorial Day weekend. I was 17. I had a boyfriend that was six years older than me. Wow. And I, I went out to Fire Island for the first time, spent the weekend out there. Again, Memorial Day weekend. And it was like so many things just opened up in my life um, just from that experience, like going back to school that like, I think, I think I took Monday off because um, it was a holiday, but then going back Tuesday was like, why would I ever want to be a part of this small town? I don't fit in here. I don't belong here, but there is a place I do belong. And it's being almost fully naked on fire Island in a speedo in the sunshine. So work. Um, right. Yeah. I would love to say, well, first of all, your choir experience sounds great. I was stuck. Mm -hmm. I was in choir, but I was the person who was stuck singing the classical songs, the old, old, old timey songs that everyone loves. And then like name one, name one. God. Shit. I mean, oh, I have no, such a bad no, I have mine. such a bad so, for like things that we sang in high school. So um, I, I say it's super queer and by super queer, I mean like I learned a lot from them and this is problematic, so, but I'm going to say it, but it taught me a lot. It taught me more than our textbooks did. Um, I sang like, I'll start off with the the not so problematic things. Like we sang like a Carmina Burana, which I loved. We sang songs like River and Judea. That was our song that we sang at the, at like one of the songs we sang at our um, concert every year at the end of the year. Um, and like all the people who were back from college would come up and sing. It was really beautiful. Um, but then we would, I don't know if you've ever heard of Moses Hogan. Um, yes. An, an amazing composer. And it's it's very soulful. Like, uh, but it was, what he composed were songs that were sung, um, you know, on cotton fields on plantations. And that's how they communicated. Right. Um, but like, imagine like a... I predominantly doesn't express how white this choir was. Like I'm mixed, but like this choir was completely white singing this music. And I was like, Ooh, I look at it now and I'm like, I learned a lot from it though. I learned so much from it because our teacher actually educated us on what this was and why it was so important. So I am grateful for that. But I look back and I'm like, Ooh, that's a little problematic. Um, <laughs> well, about appropriation. Well, but let me, okay, let me put it this way. You're probably the kid who was excited. I was the kid who used to be in the corner with my best friend talking about my visions of me performing and like having a 
choir with all these like robotic animatronic people and literally just setting it on fire and then performing like that that was me that was me work i love i i love that i love that. i am very much i was always the person who like wanted to rebel against that because like i well i was the kid in choir that always got in trouble because i used to do the vocal slides because in my mind, I still, in my mind, think I'm Christina Aguilera. So, like, <laughs> don't we all? Don't we all? Um, I, I, I prefer Britney Spears, where I can lip sync everything. Um, but uh, I like Britney and, too. And like, I like Britney. I know. Too. I love Britney. I'm actually doing a Britney night in a few days, which I'm really excited about. We'll talk about that later. But yeah. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, choir, choir was just like it was a fun deal for me. I learned a lot. I learned about, um, you know, there's uh, uh, John uh, Rutter, who is an amazing composer, Ritter, Rutter, whichever. You're, you're welcome. John you're... Rutter, John Rutter. Yeah. Um, and then, so learned a lot about that. Um, and then I, I was, I, when I say queer, like being exposed to composers and to music in such a way, like Vivaldi's Gloria, like to yeah. me, that is so queer to sing in a choir. Like that to me, it's classical. But it's just so queer and beautiful. And I, I love that I got to learn about all of this when I was younger. And also that's around the time that Wicked came out. And so <laughs> I learned about Wicked at that time too. We did, did we do no No, we did not do something from Wicked. We did I they did Seasons of Love one year from Ren. That was like the one like that was the one like poppy type song. And like I love it. Yeah, you know, it was. Uh, I, speaking of high school, I have to I have to give a shout out to my mom. My mom and I have been through a lot through you know my entire life, and I love my mom to death. Um, I do give her credit for being a single disabled mother who worked like three jobs to put me through dance lessons and to take care of me and my brothers and my sister. I mean, my brother, and my sister. Um, yeah. She did her damn best to take care of us. But I just remember there when Rent the movie came out, um, the motion picture. Um, there was, it was the last night it was showing in a theater about an hour away and she took me to see it. Um, and she's like, you know, the, and she, cause I'm a queer kid. Like where's representation, you know, in, in 2006, 2007, whatever year Rent came out, where was our representation other than Will and Grace, you know, like right. where that was on, was on TV, like where, like, unless it was like something that was on logo or like there was on, sh uh, what was it? Uh, uh, oh, Queer Spoke was on Showtime. Like right. what, what representation did we have other than that? And even that was like, it's not the best representation that we have today. We have we have awesome representation all over the place today. And right. even so, like Noah's Ark was better representation for us. So anyway, she took me to see uh, uh, Rent in the theater and it was like 10 or 11 p.m. And we had to drive back and she wrote me a note the next day being late to school. And it was this moment where I realized like my mom really does care and she wants she wants me to be able to see things. And it, even though, again, it's dark, she watched the Laramie Project with me on television because that was important to know about and to learn about. And that's about Matthew Shepard's story. Um, I remember watching Tu Wong Fu with my mom, you know, so I, I have to give a lot of credit to my mom. And that has that has definitely um, translated into my adulthood where, you know, she is interested in watching movies. Um, like Prayers for Bobby and Boy Erased and like all these movies about things that really do matter and really do happen to people in our community. And she's interested in learning and interested in knowing, um, right. you know, even I, I told her, I told her that there were parts of It's a Sin on HBO Max that were a little racy, but it's a really good show for her to watch. I love, I loved that. Like, 
Mm. Well, first of all, the reason why I saw It's a Sin is because, like, I'm a huge Years and Years fan. So, like, oh. I automatically went for Ollie. And then, like, I love that. Okay, I will say, I'm about to say something. Gays don't come for me. I did not like Brent. <laughs> I tried to I tried to watch it. I'm like, this movie is so boring. Like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to keep my opinions to myself. I, I, okay, so it's obviously not good as live production, but um, I... I genuinely loved it for what it was, and it has it has such a place in my heart um, for my experience. And yeah. then also, and and obviously, like you know, there's there's a lot of people have issues, especially with Out Tonight. They like you know they like the original recording and the original better. But when I when I perform Out Tonight and I perform Out Tonight, I perform the motion picture um, version yeah. because it's 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 better produced and it sounds better in a club. So that's why I do that version. But I, I right. genuinely, I genuinely love Brent. It's something that, like, at least once or twice a year, I'll watch, and I'm just like, it. it it's I'm... not that. <laughs> and it's not like that. I don't like musicals. Like, let's make that clear. One of my favorite movies of you all time like is. Musicals. No, I do like musicals. <laughs> one of my one of my favorite movies of all time is burlesque. So, like, it's not that I don't like musicals. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. You don't like you don't like Red, but you love. I mean, I love burlesque too. Am I kidding? Yeah. <laughs> well, of course. Well, of course, I love burlesque. You put Cher and Christina Aguilera in a movie. Like, what's better than that? Like, Wagon Wheel Watusi. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, so 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 funny. Um, I was on I, I was on tour with Alaska. Um, for the Red Reveal tour in November, yeah. October through December, and we watched it on the bus. And we're like, "There's that, there's that one moment where she's uh, what's her Georgia is the girl's name, and she's like, yeah. I'm surprised nobody's ever told you.' She's like, "What? Oh, she uh, she says you're so damn beautiful, but I'm surprised nobody's ever told you.' And she goes, "What? That you look like a dude?" And literally, <laughs> yes, at, at the same exact time, at the same exact time, a few of us look at each other and we're all like, "Transphobia." Um, and it was like, it was, it's just, but, it's interesting how these, how these movies don't realize that some of the things that they say, but like, it's, it's, it's but, like, it, it is of the time, but. Okay. Well, just to that point, I'm going to make another example. Literally on the A-list New York, you had Austin Armacost who said the T word when he was talking about a drag queen. So it's like, that's the time. Yeah, no, and it, it, that's that's an interesting point, and I'm sure we'll roll back around this when we talk about OnlyFans and people that I filmed with and like think conversations that have come up. Um, but yeah, um, so growing up in yeah. a small town, uh, full circle, my ADHD going. Yeah. Um, full circle is like growing up in a small town. Like I survived, and it led me to the life that I have today in New York City and moving here. And uh, I I genuinely appreciate my upbringing and all the lessons that it's taught me. I also appreciate the trauma that it's given me to force me into therapy. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, Norwich, New York. Who would have known? Oh. oh, girl, we're about to get. We're about to get to. Well, I'm gonna tell you my trauma about the situation. So, but I'm gonna ask you the question first. So, what was it like for you coming out? Now, okay, this is this is a loaded question, um, because I came out multiple times about multiple different things, and I'll explain well, this. Well, okay, I did write. I did write both because I was going to say you came out obviously as gay and you came out as non-binary. So like, there's but there's more than that too. Go ahead. So, so the layers. So coming out as gay, I was 11 years old. Um, yeah. I, I, 
I just remember like uh, this is this is my experience. I wrote it in a journal, right? Because I didn't right. know how to tell my mom. I didn't know how to tell my sister. Like I had I had a gay great uncle, but like I still didn't know how my family was going to take it. You know? Um, yeah. And so I wrote it down in a journal. And mothers, whether they admit it or not, mothers always know. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what religion you are. It doesn't matter. A mother always knows. And if she acts surprised, like she's she's not a good actress. Um, but mother, mothers always know. So, so I wrote I wrote it down in a journal and I left it on our Victrola player, on our record player, um, in our dining room. And you know, naturally, if you leave your journal around the house, who's going to read it? Your family. Right. Um, so that's how that's how I came out to my mom and sister. And um, I, I laugh about this experience now because I look at I look back on it and I'm like. Oh, because my sister was like, yeah, we love you, whatever. But then my mom goes, I'm just sad I'm never going to get grandkids from you. And I was like, mom, I'm 11 years old. I'm not even thinking about that. But like, think about it this way of like, now it's, it's like, you want to talk about grooming, like talking to your kid who's 11 years old about wanting kids from them one day and right. like, wanting, wanting grandkids, you know? And I was like, you're literally telling me that like, like, and I can have, I can, I can adopt, I can have a surrogate, you know, yeah. but like, it's, it's, it's interesting that that's the, the response, but you know, I appreciate my mom cause she still loves me and she still like embraced it. Um, and coming out as I, do you want me to wait for the non-binary and the other stuff? Well, I mean, yeah, I'll do my coming out as gay. I'll do my coming out as gay first and then you can come. This is gonna, wait, this you, comes. Wait, you're gay. <laughs> I know, shocker. <laughs> but like, okay, so for me, luckily I only had to come out to one parent because I came out four months after my mom died. So like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Thank first you. First of all, I mean, in some ways that made it easier, but my mom was what she considered moderate. I considered her very conservative based on all the stuff that was around the house, but like. As you say to your mom's knowing things, my mom was the one who introduced me to Madonna. So, like, in some ways, yes, in some ways, she probably knew. <laughs> but, like, so, dad was okay. I came out to a youth minister, mistake. Um, so, basically, I told him about this, like, performance idea I had with, like, a knife and how I'd, like, rehearsed it and then like he left the room and then about like i'd say 10 minutes later came back and he's like you have one of two options you can either come with me or i'm calling the cops so i went with him to get a psyche eval i passed the psyche eval he lied to make it seem like i was lying i got locked in a mental institution for 64 hours Oh, wow. Yeah. It was very, very not the experience. First of all, being in one of those places, I will say this. This is how, like, unprepared this place was for me. Like, literally, when I got there, they didn't even have, like, a room for me. So I had to sleep out on a bed in, like, the lobby near the front desk. Wow. That must have been yeah. traumatic. It. It was, and, like, the hardest thing, it's weird, like, even though I wasn't there that long, the hardest thing was, like, adjusting back into society. Like, 
once you're there because it's like you get every freedom taken away. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 not then in my life, but there was a time in my life where I was in a psych ward. So I, I, I can understand the, not the same situation, yeah. but I can understand, um, you know, like having everything taken away and like being watched like a hawk, um, mm -hmm. for, you know, the week that I was there. Um, so yeah, it was, it's, it's definitely an experience to be put in a psych ward. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's, like, you can go into a psych ward and you can, like, check yourself in for, like, a detox or for whatever. Right. And it's, like, maximum three days. But, like, mm -hmm. you have the you have the, the ability to be, like, I want to opt out now. As opposed to, like, when you go in to it involuntarily, you don't have that option. They have to. Well, I will. Well, what happened was I went in on a weekend and, like, the weekend mm -hmm. doctor didn't want to release me. So I had I had to wait till like, so they never really told me. I think I was like Baker acting on like a I was like early Saturday morning, and I wasn't released till like Monday afternoon. Mm. So Wild. like, and then I had to go back to school the next day, and everyone was like, I was like, I did have to talk with like a counselor a little bit. I'm like, I'm like, I'm having a bit of an adjustment problem like i worked on it i eventually like got everything but it's like that first day it's like you're just like thrown back in it's like go back to school live your life and then to cover his ass they took me to a counselor counselor mm. who tried to pray the gay away we love that yes Pray the gay away. It's girl. It's not gonna happen, no matter how hard you try. Yeah, because it works so fucking well. Um, I like look at the people who said it worked for them. It's, um, yeah, but I mean, coming out, coming out was at least with my family was good. My grandmother, yeah, I remember agreed. my grandmother, my grandmother being like, uh, you know, I don't agree with homosexuality, but I love you, so I accept you. Um, and my grandmother's very old school Catholic. So like that for her was, you know, very like her being, you know, a loving grandmother and she embraced every boyfriend that I ever had when, while she was alive. Yeah. Um, and then with school, I mentioned this earlier with school, it was yeah. definitely, um, I mean, I had the people that accepted me and were on my side and were allies. Um, right. and then I also had the people who would bully and tease me. Um, and that, that was the difficult part, um, because, and this, this is still very much relevant today. And I mean, whether it's here, whether it's elsewhere in the world, uh, cultivating and nurturing queerness is such an important part of, uh, upbringing and, of giving a person a safe space to learn and to grow and to be authentically them. And I, I look at when I was a kid, I wasn't given that opportunity to just thrive as a queer person. Right. Um, I had to push and I had to go through my struggles and I had to, you know, separate myself a lot. And I, what, and as I'm going through therapy now, I'm learning that there's a lot of, you know, disassociation and a lot of um, detachment um, from certain things. Like when things are weird, like I, I, I go into my own space. And so it's something that I've had to like, learn to like open up about and right. like remain in a, in a, in a state of discomfort, which, which isn't a bad thing, 
but like to grow through it and to embrace it and to use it to make me stronger and to have a better understanding of who I am and of my identity. Um, but at the time it wasn't, it wasn't the most friendly of situations. I, but I will say being as out and as queer as I was at such a young age, like I remember when I was 16, I was like bright orange from a tanning bed, paper thin eyebrows, wearing Abercrombie and Fitch and Hollister, American Eagle, all of that stuff. Like, you know, all these pastel colored t-shirts being picked on left and right. And I was like, I'm just being me. I'm just being queer. Right. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just living in my queerness. And it was, it was nice to have the people that did come out after me, um, whether there was drama between us or not, because you know, like girls fight, but yeah. it was, you're in high school and to have people like actually understand um and look at you like oh like thank you for being you because now i can be me and full circle moment um in early 2020 before everything shut down in this world um the gsa which started my senior year of high school i tried to start at my freshman year of high school but the principal at the time told me that no teacher is going to want to facilitate that um so to that principal um, who got fired the next year, thank God. Um, but uh, they started the GSA my senior year of high school. And full circle moment is that I went, I kind of was a part of it, but not really, because at that point I was just right. like, I'm graduating, like I'm leaving. Like why, why, why now? You know, like I still went to a few of the meetings. I still spoke at a few of the meetings and such. But in early 2020, um, the president of the uh, GSA from my high school reached out um, and they wanted me to originally go there in the beginning of June to speak and to, uh, you know, maybe give a performance, maybe bring a drag queen um, to perform. Um, and it was something that we were talking about and we were going to set up and we were going to wait until like March or April to really like solidify details. And it never happened because of COVID. Right. But it was, but it was amazing that this teacher knew to reach out to me and all these kids knew who I was from touring with the Drag Race girls and from uh, being a choreographer and living in New York City and being just like uh, at the, like being so uh, present on social media, they all knew who I was. And when the teacher told them that I was from Norwich High School and I graduated from there, a few of them that didn't know, like freaked out. Like they fangirled a little bit. And it was, it was, it was just like this, again, this moment of like, I'm so happy that I was able to come out in high school and be me and have teachers that would follow 30 paces behind me to catch these students picking on me. And then also these teachers, like, uh, I'm gonna call her out, Miss Dorsey. And uh, she changed her name back to her uh, original, her maiden name, but um, yeah. uh, Miss Silstra, Silstra um, who gave me books like Boy Meets Boy and uh, what is it, Boy Meets Boy and uh, uh the rainbow rainbow high and like rainbow boys and like all these books geography club to help me get through my high school experience by having representation so when i look at when i look at what's happening now where they're trying and this is this is getting ahead of myself i'll admit but while they're trying to ban all these books that were really helpful to me when i was in high school it's frustrating because not everything in this world is heteronormative and heterosexual. Not everything is Christian. And so I'm I'm really grateful for these teachers that did all that for me in high school. Right. First of all, from your experience in the beginning, talking about being gay, Abercrombie, 
my first thought was it must have been nice to be fucking skinny. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know, but dance dancer, you know. It's yeah, like, like I was dancing 25 hours a week. Right. No, I'm kidding. Um, but wow. First of all, you're saying banning queer books. Think about it this way. At least they're only banning queer books. I am in Florida, the state where they're banning all books. Well, in New York, they're not. Thank God. Yeah. But, but like in and Florida, I'm just like, DeSantis, get out of here. Very much. Just that's why I'm saying Atlanta. Like that's why I want out of Florida because it's like, it's like yes, Georgia is not much better, but Atlanta is better because like of the melting pot much like new york you have like all the cultures mm. coming together well i mean also i think there's something to be said I'm, I'm really appreciative of disney for stepping up to the plate and like being like we're gonna do a pride night right we're gonna do a pride night and you're out to spend 100 and what is 139 dollars for tickets come in for pride night it's a separate event we're gonna have all these events a, a whole different tasting menu like all these things i'm like you gotta work disney like everybody support disney um it, it's it's I I love to see the allyship and also the community because of the queer people that do work at Disney. So yeah. I, I I I as I don't give it to the government of Florida, other than Frost, I do love Frost. Um, I I will say that there's such a beautiful thing that's happening with Disney. I was like you're, I was like you're so not you but DeSantis. Like, yeah. it, you. You going up against Disney looks real bad for you because Disney has a lot more money and a lot more resources than you do. And I was like, also their lawyers, their, their legal team is way more competent than yours. So where you think that you're going to win a battle, you're actually, even if Disney moves out of Florida, you're losing all, all of the things that are worthwhile in Florida. You're losing, and, like, you're losing tourism revenue. Cause like you, you mm -hmm. can't like, I will say this in Florida, you cannot just depend on Miami. You can literally not. And that's, other than Disney, that's the only reason that people come to Florida. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, you know, I know we're getting off on a tangent a little bit, but it's, 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 it's interesting that that's happening down in Florida. And I'm, I'm like, I don't think, I, I, it's, to, it's for him and for like, not to see what's happening down there, that he's destroying the state that if, and people who support him, he would actually destroy the United States if he were ever to make into the Oval Office, which with the power of the people will not happen because we're going to make yeah. sure that we stand up and make sure people register to vote um, and they actually get out to vote because that's really important. Um, I, I see this as an opportunity to um, uh, allow things to simmer down after this next election as long as we continue to speak out and um, advocate for voting and uh, showing up for each other. Well, let's be clear. I'm not worried about him being the president. I am worried about the other guy being the president, mm -hmm. the orange guy, who, like, mm -hmm. I very much, I will say this, I didn't want it, but I told someone I predicted that I very much predict he's going to be president literally because Joe Biden hasn't done anything. That's the one thing. I will say he's done. He's done very little. He's done. He done like fifteen percent uh, of what he promised. Uh, he's he's literally done. Uh, and this is we sh maybe we shouldn't go into this because yeah, yeah. I, because Biden has done a lot more for this country than a lot of people realize. And uh, and also coming from the administration that we had before has like 
yeah. that was very mishandled has like tried to recuperate and recover right. and has done a very good job. Um, as far, in my opinion, as far as um, the other guy getting back into the, into the Oval Office, I I believe in manifestation. Yes, and I believe that I believe the energy that we put out into the world comes back uh, tenfold. Right. So I when I when I talk about manifestation, I'm like, I'm not being falsely optimistic by saying it's not going to happen. What I'm doing for myself is I'm putting it out into the universe. Yeah. Is that there is a better future if we work towards that and we don't get complacent and we put in the energy and the time to make sure that there's a better outcome. Um, and that's, that's like, even last year I said something, I was like, I want to, I want to do this. And a year later it's happening. Right. Um, and I'm very excited. Um, we'll talk about that later though. Right. I will say like in manifestation, I kind of did that when I started interviewing people. Cause it's like, yes, I had to put in the work, but it's like, I just said, I got to a point. It was actually, I haven't been doing interviews for that long. I've only been doing them for like a few months now. So it's like, I got, I got, to, I, I got to the point where I was like, I'm like, I'm tired of telling my story. I need to tell other people's story. Cause every one of my fans has heard my story. It's time for me to introduce them to people. And that's what I hope doing that. Yeah. But but speaking of that manifestation, like also the fact of like I I say like I dared to like take some risk in my first month. Like I interviewed the winner of Go Go for the Gold, Rico. Like most people wouldn't have oh, the balls. Okay. Yeah, most people wouldn't have the balls to like go ask somebody who just won a show, hey, come on my podcast. It's I'm literally starting out and you're like my fifth interview. I love Rico. Yeah. I do too. It's like I interviewed somebody for the first time on this podcast and i did like international interviews like i'm not i'm like the person who's like i am not afraid to go there and like go there sweet and, and anyone who's like i tell people the secret of anyone who wants to do a podcast like this you have to be persistent you literally have to be because people are going to forget that you ask them stuff and you have to remind them because that's the only way you will ever get anything done is to be As like my as my ADHD takes us off on tangents. <laughs> no, I mean that's literally me. You should you should hear my podcast. Um, I'm gonna shout it out um, with Marty yeah. Gold Cummings and Fonda Cox. It's called Them Three Judies. Um, we just started it, and I love doing it. But it's it's interesting having three sober people, three non-binary people, three cancers, three entertainers, and three people with ADHD trying to have a conversation. But for some reason, it makes so much sense when I like I listened to this last episode, and I was like dating and divorce and we got through all that in 52 minutes work bitch yes yes um but yeah it's uh it's definitely an interesting process when you're having a podcast and like you know you're doing you i i can already tell you're like gonna be like a star at this um just because right, like yeah. keeping yeah keeping things on point um yeah yeah so, so that was all about coming out <sighs> right so what was it like for you to move to New York City? Ooh, I can keep this one short, sweet, and simple. Um, so there was one one uh, Monday in the end of July in 20... Let me back up. So I moved to Jersey for a year after I graduated high school to try to save money. I did not save any money. I spent all my money. I was living with my cousins who had a lot of money. 
Um, and so I didn't, so I ended up spending all my money and then having to move back home for a year. And then that following summer in July, at the end of the month, um, it was a Monday. I remember saying to my mom, I'm going to move to New York city. And she's like, okay. And so I didn't <laughs> move to New York city that day. And by Thursday, I was like, no, no. On Wednesday night, I was like, mom, I'm going tomorrow. And she's like, sure. And I ended up going and I ended up getting a, t- a bus ticket, came down to the city, ended up staying with my friend for two weeks before I got my first apartment. And uh, I've been here ever since. And right. uh, I, I listen, getting here was scary, but at least I knew people. So was, I was able to start go-go dancing right away. And um, when I lived in Jersey, I was working at a restaurant called California Pizza Kitchen. And so I was able to uh, jump into a location here on Park Avenue in the city. So I was by daytime and sometimes into the evening, I was serving at uh, CBK and Park Avenue. And then at night, I would be go-go dancing um, at one of the gar- one of the bars or clubs. Right. That is so... And the thing is, you moved without a plan. When I moved to Orlando, my dad like looked at me and he's like, so what's the plan? And I went to audio engineering school for a year. Well, not for a year. I went for like eight months. But it's like, he's like wanted to see how to plan. But I'm like, I have to get to Orlando. Like, I just have to get out of here. Like, mm-hmm. I, and even my aunt said, like, when I moved, she was like surprised. She's like, I never thought you were going to leave. I'm like, of course I had to leave. Just like now, I know I have to leave. I know I cannot become complacent and like stay here forever. Like, well, sometimes much... the plan the plan writes itself, you know. Right. If I if I over if I over plan, then I build an expectation. And if I do all the work and the results don't happen the way that I expect them to happen, then ultimately like I'll just build a resentment. And so sometimes it's nice to just be like, all right, well, I have the skeleton. So I know I need to get to New York City. So what do I need to do to get to New York City? The rest eventually will 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 just lay itself out in front of me. And, and that's kind of how I am in life sometimes. I, and I, I remember, like, th- at least the last, that was when I was younger. And, I, and so in my adulthood, like, in my 30s, I'm in this place of now where I have to just throw things out. And, like, I'm so, I have so much fear of success. But then when I just kind of, like, let it go and I'm just like, all right, I'm going to take the next right action. I'm just going to say I have to do this so I can see what happens. And then I know the next step. But, like, I just have to see what happens first. And right. so like, sometimes like, sometimes when I over plan, I build myself up, I build myself up for failure. I set it up for failure. And then other time, and then, so like, I just don't do it as hardcore. I know the steps. I just have to be okay with things that are going to happen along the way and being able to sway with them. So moving here on a whim was just very, uh, it was kind of, it was, it was whimsical because I had no idea what was going to happen. And almost 14 years later, I'm still here. Wow. That's so great. I'd love that for myself. But as I told you before, I'm one of those people who like, I can only see my, well, I say I'm going to move to Atlanta and only be there in four years. We'll see what actually happens once I move. Like, Who knows? You know, yeah. you never know what could happen. You could, you, something could happen next month and you might move to Atlanta next month and be like, how did I end up here? And you don't have right. to know. You just know that you're there. Like it, it, it's possible. And it's going to happen for you. Right. So. Work. Awesome. What was it like for you the first time you performed in New York City? Oh, baby. Oh, baby. <laughs> oh, first of all, the amount of alcohol that I consumed. Um, 
so I, I'm going to talk about the first time I go-go danced and it felt like something. Um, so, cause I, I, I trust when I, when I go, go, I perform baby. Uh, I give you full on Zumba for three hours. Um, so it was a diesel underwear party at splash bar NYC. May she rest in peace. Um, it closed in 2013. Uh, but I, I go, go dance to splash for a diesel underwear party. I remember the, I was wearing this lime green pair of, uh, like, uh, boxer briefs, trunks, whatever they called them at the time. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't know what to do with all the cash. So it looked like I had a diaper because of how many people were tipping me. Um, but I was on that stage living my life. And like, I just, I was alive. I was alive. I had no constraints, no restraints. I was, I didn't feel repressed or oppressed. I just felt so open and uh, so authentically me. And as far as like, uh, like performing, not as a go-go dancer, but as a, as a performer performer, um, the first time I remember doing that was, oh, oh, I mean, let's talk, want to talk about like dancing. So, and like, we want to bring full circle with drag race into it. So I was uh, at Barracuda um, on 22nd street and I was just dancing around. Uh, fever came on, you know, fever. Psh! Yeah. Um, and I was dancing and then they're like, oh, oh, and it was Peppermint. And uh, her oh. dancers were there. Yeah, yeah. This is in like 2010. Um, and so I ended up dancing for Peppermint. Um, and I just, I, I was just, I, I just felt so alive dancing for this, this, this amazing human being. And then I, that's when I was introduced to Sherry Vine, who yeah. is, you know, my drag mama. Um, and I just started doing all these like music videos, like these parody videos of them and like all these live shows. And for me performing in those things in New York city, it was exhilarating. And it was for the first time that I could just be myself, um, and be super queer because when I was younger, I mentioned the dance studio yeah, and like, and how I thought it was a safe space. But in the dance world, oftentimes people uh, will say, don't dance so gay, dance like a man, do this, do that, and don't dance like a girl. And that can be traumatizing. And like understanding now that I'm non-binary and that I don't fit into the boxes that they make for us as queer kids necessarily, or just right. kids in general, we don't fit into the box that like this patriarchal society thinks, patriarchal Christian society thinks we need to. It's like, I... I felt alive and I felt exhilarated and I felt free and I felt passionate. And I felt like this was something that I could do for my entire life and find joy, happiness, and peace in it. Right. Well, I'm actually going to tell you my first time performing in Orlando. This is the crazy part. Cause when you hear drag queen, no way. So I actually started performing at an open mic at a straight bar. Hmm. And it was like, it's still there in Orlando. It was, it's called Rogue Pub. It's still there, I think. I, it was, at least it was there when I moved away. Um, but it was like being there, and I was so different than every act, of course, because like every act was these acoustic singer songwriter type stuff. And I used to do, like, I make a lot. I'm not. I don't do it so much anymore, but I made electronic music when I was there. So I used to like have these beats performing in the background and I just used to perform and like, not everyone loved it. 
of course not. But like the people who did are like there. I would have people come up to me. It was like, I'm so excited to see you this week. Cause I was doing something different. Yeah. And we like different. Yeah. And then eventually it took me actually a few years. No, I, it took me about a year to perform in a gay bar for the first time. Cause like, I was so afraid to perform for gay people because I thought they were going to be so judgmental. <laughs> As they can be. Yeah. But it turns out I was very different because, like, I wouldn't say I was, like, a proper drag queen. I consider myself, like, a drag alien, kind of. Like, Come on, drag alien. What planet then, like, are you from? <laughs> and then, like, all of a sudden I just morphed into... And some drag queens would would probably say I'm still not a proper drag queen because your bitch doesn't know how to do eyes, but that's why I wear sunglasses, so I don't have to. Um, Who cares what everybody else says? You're born yeah. naked, the rest is drag. Exactly. And even... Now, I will say this. Now, as someone who, like, is removed from performing, because in the, like, past year, I performed twice. So, like, this is my main focus. And, like... A lot of people say, like, why don't you do music more? Like, why don't you perform more? I'm like, I went where I was more successful. Turns out I'm more successful also, doing this. <laughs> also, that can come later, too. You can, yeah. you can literally be successful at one thing, and then when that success comes, then you move on to the next thing while you're still doing this thing. And that's yeah. kind of something that I've learned. Like, I, I can do multiple things at once. I just have to focus on one thing, get it off the ground, and then move on. Right. So... ask that question oh so has it been harder for you being a non-binary dancer versus being like a cis gay guy in the bars performing so okay so this is i love i actually really love this question um so a little bit of background uh i started doing burlesque in 2018 question mark yeah 2018 i'm like question mark uh 2018 2019 and uh actually a little bit before that i'll say i'll it was a a few years before that but i wasn't like i was i was just an like i was literally like the alternative like you know you think about being the odd one out with drag like this was me because i'm a dancer and so i wanted to use that my first time performing burlesque i did uh this number that was about depression and um addiction and i started off in a new dance belt and what people didn't realize is that i had um, liquid latex on. So I was tearing away layers of skin throughout the number. It was Work. amazing. Like I, re- I remember, and I say it's amazing, not as an ego thing. I, I say that as like a confident thing as like, I, I, it's one of those performances that I look back on and it was life-changing for me. And the way the audience responded to it was beautiful. Um, so I, I came out as non-binary um, in 2020, summer of 2021. Um, and so I really, I really, I, at that point I had started performing as a non-binary, like queer less drag artist in the city. And so I, when I went back into dancing, um, backup, which for me was, and, and people had reached out all the drag queens when they started performing again in New York city, a lot of them reached out and they're like, Hey, would you backup dance for me? I'm like, I'm not really trying to backup dance. And I also don't want to be viewed as like this like sexy um shirtless like backup man right and i had to, i had i had a lot of things to work through um right. and then then uh alaska reached out to me um i and i i was 
she's like, would you go on tour with me? And I knew it was to backup dance. And I was like, I don't know. And I, I just started doing a play and my friend Fonda, um, who I was, I was painting backstage at Hush in New York City uh, for our show. I was painting my face and she goes, but Richard, you've been, you've been wanting to like get out of the job serving that you've been doing and you have this opportunity that you're doing this play and now you can go straight into a tour. Why wouldn't you take it? So I texted Alaska back and I said, sure. And we had a phone call the next day and she was pretty, I, I was like, well, you know, I don't want to give up what I'm doing in drag. And she's like, well, why don't you paint your face for stage every night? And I was like, oh. And so then she ended up giving me, she gave me a featured role as the sexy Hollywood agent. Um, and so every night I would, I, would, I would have my face fully painted for the show, but and yeah. people were like, oh, this is the only one really wearing like full face of makeup that's a backup dancer. And then I would come out in the middle of the show and I would have on this trench coat with lingerie underneath and this, this fedora. And, I, and, and then it would make sense to everybody why I was in makeup. And, and as they, you know, Alaska would say, oh, the sexy Hollywood agent, they, and they, you know, they, and get my pronouns right. And so now when I back up dance for people, and I've done it a couple times since being back in New York City for tour, is like, I've embraced, because it took me so long to like embrace the, the femininity, I guess. Um, I, I, it's weird, because I, I embraced it, but I didn't fully accept it. Right. I think because of, because of repression and like this, this built-in inter, like internal, uh, shame that I had that I didn't realize was there until I came out as non-binary and I had to work through it. And so now I go on stage and I'm like, listen, I can hit it. I can quote unquote hit it like a dude or I can turn it out like that, you know, that person. And that's something so beautiful about being non-binary and having that energy and that, that ability to just live as me. Right. And so it was like, so as the difference of performing as like a male dancer and performing as me, I just feel more comfortable on stage now. Right. I feel so comfortable on stage just being me. And it doesn't have to be defined as anything other than, oh, that's JMV. Yeah, I mean, you say that, like, so I have interviewed a burlesque dancer before. Uh, actually, somebody you know, um, Damien. So, like... Oh, I love Damien. Yeah, so, like, he was telling me about how he never really liked being a go-go dancer because, like, he likes the burlesque more because of the fact, like, that you don't have to just like shake your dick around and that's like kind of what yeah. go-go dancers are. And like I I actually kind of like as much as like go-go dancers are great, like watching your videos, I fucking love what you do. Like thank you. You're welcome. No, I love you know, I and it's interesting too because I've performed with Damien. I've been I've been down to uh Alibi and I performed in Sin and Nikki's shows um at alibi and uh i it's it's interesting because I, I sin and i are similar in a lot of ways that like we perform as us we do the heels we do the makeup and like we're both non-binary and we perform as ourselves and we don't have to like we don't have to um conform to this idea of masculinity um as who we are we 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 like we we're both very similar in that and i i, I love sin silva so much um for how fierce they are um yeah. and damien and damien lenore is just such a beautiful human being inside yeah. and out and uh I, I i love doing shows with them and right. they, because i feel i feel so safe and so comfortable in my skin with them i love them so much so i'm glad you brought the up damien's name yeah in fact you're that's not you're not the only one who's had an opinion that damien is attractive i was actually with somebody on easter and then this like 
this girl who's like part of the family was talking about it. She had seen like any interview and she's like, she's like, Damien's so hot. I'm like, she's like, how do you get these people to like interview them? I'm like, I ask. Like, yeah. It's I mean, unless you ask, unless you ask, yeah. it's always a no. And with Damien, Damien, the, I'm an energy human being. Like I'm all about yeah. energy. And Damien, the reason Damien is attractive is not for his aesthetics. Right. Damien is attractive for what's here, what's here and, and the soul. And it's, it's when, and I have like Damien and I have really great conversations. Like we've hung out in, in, in uh, Fort Lauderdale and I appreciate right. Damien as a human being. I really, I really appreciate Damien as a human being. Um, I, I love, I love that we can have such uh, deep conversations and that's what I love as a friend. He is just so fantastic. Um, yeah. And again, it's not even about this. It's about what's in here. And that's sometimes like, how it is you have to like exude yourself and in some ways like when you exude yourself sometimes it involves some delusion like me delusional never <laughs> but that's all performers like well i think i have like a healthy sense of delusion again the like christine aguilera thing it's like when I do her stuff, I'm like sing it, but I'm like I I know in the back of my mind like there are plenty of singers who are like I'm ten out of ten voice on this on this, and they usually suck. Like those people who say I that. listen, I can I can listen to Christina Aguilera up down house boots, honey. But if I go to sing it, it's gonna sound terrible, and you're gonna go running, and you're gonna want your money back. So that's why I lip sync. I learned how to do it. Like it takes a lot of time to learn how to do, but like I learned how to do it. Like, come on, Riff. Come on, Riff. And that's why, on, like, Riff. that's why, like, when I tell people, like, I tell them honestly, I'm like, look, I know I'm an eight out of ten singer. You don't have to tell me that. I'm a nine on a good day. Like, and that's fine for me because it's it's all about. It's not about exactly how talented your voice is. It's about the energy you suit when you're performing. That's fully yeah. what it's about. Live your life. Give it. Give it, sweetie. Give it. Twirl it. Turn it. So Okay, I think you kind of... No, you didn't really answer this, so I'll ask this question. So, what's your favorite song or who's your favorite artist to perform? I'm gonna rip my clothes off, take a leap and surf through the crowd. Um, Funny, uh, so whenever I do perform, it's also these two artists are my most uh, uh, requested. Um, specifically one song from the one artist. Um, but she's also liked a few of my videos on social media when i perform then it makes me very happy but nicole jerzinger um Work. i perform wet by nicole jerzinger and every nobody will perform that song anymore because i did it and i brought that song back to new york city nightlife like they play in all the bars now yeah um and i and i i will take the credit for that you're welcome nicole for getting you more streams and more purchases on <laughs> on platforms you're welcome yeah. that was me um so put me in your concerts when you go on tour thanks um but i that song and then a lot of people love me performing kesha cannibal like i i relate so with nicole jerzinger like the album killer love is so amazing and the song killer love is uh actually coming in my repertoire soon but i don't i don't do like i can perform ariana grande's break free and i can perform like all of these like super uh you know dua lipa like i but i don't relate with that like i uh, 
I like the one song by Ariana Grande that I really relate with is Into You, and I'll perform that song House Down. I love it. But when it comes to like Nicole Scherzinger, it's because she's got like this, like she's got a theater, she's got like this theater, like musical theater background, but she right. also just sings super like punk. And I love, I love when people are punk. Um, like Killer Love is so punk. And then Kesha is just so freaking punk. Um, and I love a lot of 80s music, but I mean, sorry, baby, when it comes down to it, like Nicole Scherzinger is my number one to perform. I, I, I love her. I love her. See, and, mine is. Oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I just love yeah. her. Yeah. To death. So Nicole Scherzinger, if you watch this, book a bitch. Thanks. Mine is very much so. Songs I do a lot. Like mine is either Christina like Aguilera. if has, Christina Aguilera, yes. Gaga definitely. Mm. Kesha definitely. One of the one of my like songs that like if I need a go to song, I'll do blow. Oh, such a good song. Yeah. See, the thing is, see, the thing is, too, when it comes to drag and like, like, do what you want to do. Like, I don't. Yeah. I, I love doing out tonight. Like, there's there's certain thing. There's certain songs that I'm known for. Like, there's certain songs that people won't perform because I perform them. Yeah. Um, like Wet, Cannibal. Um, believe it or not, Doja Cat's uh, uh, Boss Bitch. Like, since I started performing that when I first came out, people will not, will not perform it if I'm around because they'd be like, this bitch is going to like, this is literally their song. Yeah. Um, like I, I saw someone perform wet and I was like, I was like, all right, perform it, do your thing. And they did a great job, but I was like, yeah, that's my song. And, 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 and I, I love, I love that people just know that's my song. Um, it's great. To, it's great to be known for your talents and what you're doing and uh, be respected for it too. So that's Nicole cool. Scherzinger, Nicole Scherzinger, book me. I'm trying to think. Well, okay, to the Nicole Scherzinger point, Buttons is another song I like to do. Um, mm, it's a good one. Um, Intuition by Jewel. Oh, yeah, your yeah. intuition. Yeah, I love that song. I love Jewel. Jewel's an amazing artist. I yeah. love Jewel because she's, yeah. she's not, she's like, even though she was very, she's very famous, her music is amazing, she's yeah. not like your go to artist. And yeah. I love her. Near You Always is one of my favorite songs ever. It's my top 10 favorite song. Yeah. Work. And then if I feel like rapping that night, I will either do Team by Iggy Azalea or Anaconda by Nicki Minaj. Work. Because my Anaconda don't. My Anaconda don't. My Anaconda yeah. don't want none unless you got buns, hun. I used to have a bun. Work. So... Well, okay, now that you said you were a go-go dancer, I think I can ask this question and it makes more sense. So have you has anyone ever tried to steal a tip from your body? That's attached to me, probably, but not that it's yeah. uh no, no, um not that I know of, not that I'm aware of. Um I remember there was one time that there was a go-go dancer that got fired for stealing people's tips out of the back room, but it wasn't mine, I don't think. Hopefully not. I was drunk at the time, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but no, no, I've never really had that happen. Um, and when it comes to bigger bills, like I remember there was one night, oh my gosh, it was a Saturday night before everything shut down in New York. Um, and I remember this specifically because one of my friends was there that had so, is loaded. And he, and uh, I think they came out as non-binary, so I'm gonna use they, them pronouns. Um, right. they, they're the ones that like, if they come into the bar when I was serving, they would give me like a hundred dollar bill or sometimes multiple. And that was serving. As go-go dancing, yeah. they would just give me hundreds throughout the entire night. So the Saturday before everything shut down, 
um, when I get bills like this, I, I, he gave me, they gave me like five or six um, $100 bills. And so every time wow. I would call the owner, I would call the owner over and be like, here, can you put this in the envelope? And when I, when I have hundreds on me, I'm like, nope, nope. That's going downstairs. That's going in like the office. Like, nope. Yeah. I, you know, cause I, nobody's going to be stealing that shit for me. Um, and so actually this person like helped me pay for all my groceries when everything shut down. And like, Mark. because I stock, because you, you know, damn well that we stock up for things before lockdown, Henny. That was, that was the time the, and, and New York city, um, the bodegas where you got all your toiletry, your like toilet paper and your uh, paper towels because it's sold out everywhere else. Well, you, 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 you talk about lockdown would have loved to have been a home with all of you. I wasn't, I was at work. Um, <laughs> Because oh. I worked in a senior living home, so it never shut down. It just was uh, oh, different. Well, thank you for your service. Thank you you're for welcome. your service. You're welcome. I am you're not there. I am not. I am not there anymore. Thank God. I ended up. So about me. This 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 is gonna come in later. So towards I got bone spurs in like my feet. So like. I had like a long time where I was in a lot of pain and like towards the end of me working there, I could barely walk. So mm. like, it's so like, forget doing drag. Like I could barely go outside. Like that's my drag. Yeah. So literally now, luckily I'm in a new, new place. I work at a call center. So I get yelled at by people all the time. <laughs> I might've been one of them. Who knows? No, no. When I'm on the phone with anybody at a call center, I'm literally that one that I'm like, I, I'm. I, this has nothing. If I get stressed out, my, like my stress has nothing to do with you. My yeah. stress has to do with the situation. I appreciate everything you're doing to help me yeah. out. I'm just, I'm having a moment right now, so just please bear with me. Let me breathe. And they're like, and so they appreciate that. And then I say please and thank you always. So right, thank you for what you do. Right. You you may actually call in to me at some point because like the company I work for represents. So it's a cable company, and they work like in New York City. Oh, got you. Okay. Yeah. So Come on, yeah. cable. Right. Cable and internet. I love. I love when you try and do stuff for people, and you do all that you can, and you, they still hang up the phone angry. And and well, te technically, you're supposed to call them back. I don't like. I'm like. I'm like. I'll let you move Bye. on. Call into call into somebody else. <laughs> Call somebody else who has the patience to deal with you, because honey, I right. certainly don't. Um, right. Yeah. So, so those. I think. I think all in all, those are like. Those are. I, I've never had anybody try to steal a tip off me that I know of. Yeah. No. Oh yeah. Well, maybe it's because you do more like burlesque dancing. If you were more like a go-go dancer, that's more. Because I. Well. Oh no! I used to, I used to go go. I used to go go hard. Yeah. I have, I'm yeah. A, I'm an award winning go go. Um. But I I just I don't I I also like a bitch knows I would I would like kick them in the face if they did too. I I'm not playing around. I'm like D -d -d uh uh. Well, and also they know that they they also know that they'll never get booked again either. Right. I never I never have either. Like I've been in very few situations where like I've been tipped, but it's also I'm like. I'm also I'm I'm tall. Like I'm six three. Ain't nobody messing with me. Like mm -hmm. six foot. And I'm a and I'm a dancer, so I'm like, bring it. I'm a big I'm well, a big human being. Well, the one night that somebody did, they were lucky I was in a good mood because 
I've told this story before. Somebody actually, like, when I, it wasn't when I was living in Orlando, but it's like when I went back to perform, somebody snatched my wig. Mm-hmm. Just took it off my head. And it was over and over again for yeah. no reason. I don't know why. I just... <laughs> and it's like, they caught me on a good night because, like, on a bad night, I would have taken my shoe and beat you over the head. Like, well, don't you die? That's mean too. Well, well, but I feel like I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know why. Why we have to teach people to like fucking Etiquette. learn how to like? Etiquette. Yeah, yeah. Why we have to teach them that? Like, like don't shoot it, your mouth open. It's similar. Don't stick your finger in my ass with a dollar bill. Thank you. That I literally when. When Rico posted about that on Sunday, literally the next episode I did with Phoenix, I just did like a PSA in the beginning, or it's like, it's I did like talking about like, don't touch it, don't touch a dancer's asshole when they're up there like performing. Like, consent is mandatory, mandatory, yes. not optional, not sexy. It is mandatory. Yeah, it's like mandatory. this is. Yeah, it's like this is. Ooh, in some ways, I'll say this. Drag this, name. What mandatory? Mandatory. A mandatory, yeah. yeah. Work. Because th- this is the thing. Yeah. Don't steal her tips. Right. And also, this is not Amsterdam. Like, th- this is not where, like, people are, like, fucking on stage. Like, there has to be some form of consent. I mean, I've I've had sex on a stage or two. Wait, 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 wait. Five or six or seven or eight or nine or ten. You can you I, could do you could do that in America. <laughs> I don't talk about it other than it's happened. So there are parties, honey. Well, I I, I ain't gonna say anything. I've had sex in drag too. Like, <laughs> not even in drag, honey. I've had yeah. Um, that's all. That's all. Anyway, next question. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> okay, so. I know you talked a little bit about this before. So, what was it like working with Alaska? Ah, um, okay, so it wasn't the first time that I've worked with Alaska being on tour um, for Red for Phil, um, which is streaming on all platforms. Go check out the album. Um, I so I met Alaska years and years ago. I met Alaska when she it was on when she was on season five. Like I I met her then. Um, right. I was because I danced for Sherry and I danced for the the earlier the queens from the earlier seasons like. Pandora and Mimi and Sahara, may she rest in peace. Um, uh, Manila, uh, Willem. Like, I've danced for all the queens. So um, I met her uh, and just hung out with her. There's a beautiful picture of us at therapy. It was like Jinx, Alaska, Michelle, um, Mimi, Pandora, uh, and a few other queens. Anyway, so it was, it was like a really fun night. And um, then I went on tour for the Battle of the Seasons tour with right. her and a lot of the other queens and she's incredible and i we weren't really as close then um we got a little close but we knew each other but we you know it's yeah. like i was one of the dancers it's like whatever so it wasn't until the last few years like we started like messaging more and then you know i went to one of her shows in brooklyn it was the t- no the joanne show the joanne gaga show and three dollar bill and like we got closer then and we just started talking more and then uh this tour we became really close she's like i want people on tour that are friends and she's like i love being around sober people she talks about that quite quite often 
um, because we're just fucking cool. Um, but she's amazing. And she's, she's now like one of my really, really good friends. And she opens up people's eyes and she just wants you to be as authentically you. Um, she makes you feel safe and comfortable in your own skin. She's never, I've, I've never heard Alaska yell. I've, I've never seen her yell. I've seen her be like, well, all right. You know, like that kind yeah. of thing. Like, but like never, never, she's always kind of like even keel from what I've seen. Work. Um, I, I also love the way that when uh, the unfortunate event of Q Club happened, um, I love how she right. handled the situation. And believe, and, and this is this is weird because Alaska and I were on tour together when Pulse happened. Um, and this is this is like this is like a, a like a moment that I'll never forget. Is we got in the bus and I didn't hear about Pulse yet, and I just remember people crying. And Ginger Minj was there as well, and uh, she her, her resident bar used to be Pulse. And so there was this moment where they asked us like whether we want to go home or we should go back or we should stay on tour. And like the answer is we stay on tour because we don't let, you know, terrorists, you know, uh, you know, make us fearful. We don't let them terrorize right. us. And we keep putting the message of hope out there, especially as leaders in the community. So when Q Club happened, um, when we were on this tour, uh, it was I loved, you know, there's 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 more to this story, but like that's very personal. But, you know, she went out on stage and uh, she gave like a two minute speech um, to the audience uh, and she was fully painted, but she was just in sweats. Um, and the first song of the tour is Beautiful Night for a Breakdown. Yeah. And beautiful. And the lyrics are, it's a beautiful night for a breakdown. It's a hell yeah. of a night to die on the dance floor. And it felt so that song for what it was she was like it's that's the first song on the show and like it's part of the show it's part of the album and i don't want to take it out and so we performed it but when we performed it it was you could feel our energy on stage and it was just so loving and it was so like we're doing yeah. this for you we're doing this right. for you and so uh, working with alaska who is such an amazing artist she's amazing like she's so creative she's so funny she's so brilliant and, you know, I just love working with her for every everything that she is. I love working with her. And my favorite part about being on tour with Alaska was on a tour bus. You can't poop on a tour bus. Um, yeah. So you have to wait until, like, you're, like, going right. into a bathroom or a rest stop somewhere else. So we would get off the bus in the morning and we'd find, like, a cafe. We would try to find something local. But yeah. um, if it was only a Starbucks, we'd go to Starbucks. But, like, my favorite part of being on tour with her was, like, our little moments of coffee and, like, a gluten-free pastry in the morning. Yeah. Um, it was it was like my favorite part of it because it was just a lot of bonding. I everyone, this is a shout out to Alaska Thunderfuck Five Thousand. Amazing. Well, yeah, I love Alaska. I've not, I did not like meet Alaska. So when I lived in Orlando, I did meet a few people. Alaska was unfortunately not one of them because I didn't have money for VIP at that time at Parliament House. But like I have seen Alaska perform. Alaska is great. The people I met. Uh, so I have met Ginger Minj, actually. Oh, love Ginger. I met Ginger and Monet in the same night. And then I met Adore, who I uh, fucking love. I adore Adore. Uh, yeah. she, was here, she was here a couple months ago, and I was supposed to go backstage and, like, say hi and everything. But, like, I was waiting around, and I was like, I'm so tired. I'm so yeah. tired. And I hadn't seen her in a few years. And... She's like, I missed you. Like, I wish you had stayed. And I'm like, I know, I know, I know. I, 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 these are these are my girls. Like, they're family through and through. I had a moment actually um, with Ginger Minj on that same tour bus that I was talking about, and I was like, yeah. I, 
I was like, you know, sometimes I just, no, it actually wasn't that tour. It was actually a Christmas tour. Um, and I was like, I just don't, sometimes I don't feel like I fit in with the dancers. And she's like, honey, cause you're not one of the dancers. You're one of us. And I was like, work. Family. Well, actually I do, I do just want to point out on that season five tour or that season five performance. JMV did not say that he worked with Alyssa Edwards, probably because she didn't show up on time. Um, no. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've, I've definitely worked with her though. She's 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 a fun time gal. We did. I was on tour. With but the did same. but did she show up on time? Like did she? she did she what? Did. She did well, because, it, because because it was in Manchester in the UK. So it was it was um, actually she. I think she showed up before. Okay, so it was Laganja. Laganja, Shangela, uh, Alyssa, Fame, Willem, yeah. Ben de la Creme. And uh, we were, I mean, it was, it was a blast. So we, we performed in, um, do you know, I think it's called um, Trinity, the, the Holy Trinity or whatever. The, it's in the UK. They do this whole thing. They always have queens. Anyway, so uh, anyway, it was just a lot of fun. Yeah. And Alyssa, Alyssa is just a fun time gal. And I just love hanging out with her. And then we ordered Domino's at the end of the night because that's all we could find. Right in Manchester, because I had a I had a friend who I interviewed in Manchester. And he talked about working at a bar, and he talked about how Alyssa Edwards shows up late. I'm like, of course, it's Alyssa Edwards. You should have expected Alyssa to show up late. Like, well, I mean, that also might be that also yeah. might be with a solo show, but you know, I, yeah. she does. I, as far as that goes, I, you know, and obviously, if there's other drag queens that are going to read her, she might be like, mm, okay, I'm going to show up on time. But I love Alyssa. Alyssa is such. She's so great. She's so great. Because I will say, right. Because I will say I am probably the one drag queen who actually like shows up on time for everything. Like my drag, I, my, my my drag mama, my drag mama, Miss Sherry Vine is yeah. always on time. Um. Also, uh, funny thing about Alaska, we we did um this the thing in Nashville, the drag is good event to raise money for ACLU Tennessee. Um. Right. And backstage for the after party that she does on Patreon, uh, we we talked about like because we both were pleasers. Yeah. Um, there's, we both shop at the same places for drag and then we both have the same makeup bag. And so she's like, am I your drag mother? And I was like, well, I mean, I'll have to consult Miss Fame and Sherry, but you can be my drag mother because that's my drag mom and that's my drag mama. So maybe, maybe yeah. I can have three moms. Who knows? This could be a polyamorous drag mothership. Um, so I think I have a drag mother now. <laughs> Another one. Um, work. look at, look, look at you having... Three three drag moms. I have zero, but <laughs> I I, mean, I haven't I, I haven't needed it. I haven't needed it. Like you don't need it. I do. <laughs> I need all the well, help I can get. Right. Because actually, uh, that's that was that was that was my experience with Alaska. She's just yeah. a brilliant human being through and through. Well, the reason is like being a live singer. I will say, and. You being in New York would probably be shocked by this because I know there are probably plenty of live singers in New York. In, in Florida, literally, I got to perform in a place once. I tried to perform there again. They're like, oh, we sing, you sing live. We don't want you here. And I'm like, mm. I'm like, okay. It's like you don't do drag because you don't lip sync. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And this is from another gay person. It's like, so you gonna tell me what drag is? Gay people, what can you do with them? Can't live with them. Can't live without them. Right. So, okay. 
Now to something a little more serious. So wow, we'll, ma- we'll make it fun again. Don't worry. Um, so how hard was it the moment you found out that you had HIV? Ooh. Okay, so uh, I actually was writing about this earlier because uh, Broadway Bear season has started and I created my fundraising page for this season earlier. Um, and I'm very grateful for that. I love Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. Go follow BCFA on social media. Um, when I first found out I was HIV positive, I went in to the clinic um, in Chelsea and I knew I had got a Rio or something because, honey, she had a little discharge. Um, yeah. And so I got tested. And obviously, if you're getting tested for one thing, they test you for everything. Um, right. And so they did the HIV rapid and uh, I, it was near closing time of the clinic and the person, the nurse came in and was like, hey, I really need to see Richard before they go. And oh. the doctor's like, okay, I'm almost done here. And like me thinking there's nothing, you know, there's nothing really serious that's happening. I was like, oh, she needs to talk to me. And then she does it again. I was like, oh, okay, well, this is weird that she keeps coming back. Um, but then she took me into an office and, you know, having seen all these movies, all these TV shows, I, you know, it didn't click in my brain because I was like, okay, I just got to take these pills for gonorrhea. You know, like I got I to gotta take these pills, I got to take the shot. Um, so I walk into the office and she sits me down and she says, your preliminary HIV test has come back reactive. And I was like, what does that mean? Um, and she told me what it meant. She meant the preliminary came back and said that I'm HIV positive. And this is, this is post-AIDS crisis pre-PrEP. So right. I, I, I didn't know how to take it. I, I wrote about this earlier, actually. And it's just this feeling of like, like, you're feeling everything and nothing all at the same time. And there's, you feel numb, but you feel anxious and panicked. And uh, I just felt like every emotion and every feeling and just everything you can feel all at once, just like toppling on top of you. And it's overwhelming. Um, and the I remember the nurse was like, do you need to speak with somebody? And, you know, I even said to the, the counselor, I was like, you know, I tried to kill myself a year ago, or uh, six months ago. So this isn't going to destroy me. Like, I'm not going to try killing myself from this. I'll never want to go into a psych ward again. And I just left. And I remember calling, call, I called a few people. I called my roommate at the time, or my, my old roommate at the time. I called my, uh, the person I was staying with at the time, Robert. I called uh, my mom and my sister. Um, and, I, and I emailed my um, most recent ex-boyfriend. Uh, and my friend was like, okay, cool. I'll meet up with you. My old roommate was like, okay, come to the restaurant, come for dinner. It's on us. Uh, and then my sister was like, are you okay? And my mom was like, things will be okay. There's medication now that can help you. And the, and my my ex, most recent ex-boyfriend said, um, you ruined my life. I never want to talk to you again. Um, and so I went to the rest of my friend's restaurant and with my, with my person I was staying with at the time, Robert. And uh, the only thing that I wanted to do was drink that, that rosé. All I wanted to do was escape in that rosé. And I did. And uh, let's just say that that led to a lot of shame, a lot of drinking a lot of what would turn into uh, a hardcore meth addiction. Um, and a lot of, sh- a lot, when I say shame, like there's still, there's still trauma that I'm, I'm still working through from finding out that I'm HIV positive, including when it comes to dating. Like there is this trauma of like scarce, fear of scarcity when it comes to people that want to be with me because of that. Um, and 
that's not the case. Like I, I used to think of these things like being, you know, a sex worker, being content creator, being a drag artist, being non-binary, being sober, having HIV. I used to think of these things as like notches against me. And now I look at them as experiences that have made me who I am and stronger and more capable of being in a relationship, the more that I accept them. So what I was back in 2011, it was like August, 2011, when I found August 8th, 2011, how I know that on the top of my head, I have no idea. But August 8th, 2011, finding that out was one of the hardest things I've ever gone through. Um, and even now, what is, what, 12 years later, almost yeah. 12 years later, is, is it still affects me very deeply. But, but after I got sober, I learned to accept it. Um, and we'll, we'll, I'm sure you're going to ask more questions, but like, I'll just say yeah. that it was, it was very dark. Right. Got but it. But hey, at least it was summer. Right. <laughs> see positive just know that like if i were there i would like Stay give you I, no like <laughs> work the jokes write themselves yeah <laughs> just i know i know that's hard just like no if i were there i'd give you a hug like i'm i'm one of those Aww. people yeah because like what you saying about like being suicidal i know that feeling i've been there twice myself like, it was very much, there was the depression that I say happened before I found drag, and then there was the depression once I found drag, not being able to be in drag constantly. Mm. And it kind of, like, fucked with my mind a little. Eventually, I got, like, into a headspace where... I was good, but as I said, like I was depressed from the age of twelve to the age of twenty six. So the fact that like I'm still here talking to you is like I say in some ways a miracle. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, it, 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 yeah, like depression is depression is like definitely like it's not it's not easy to live with. Anxiety is not easy to live with, and then with. HIV specifically, it's like because it, and it's deeply rooted. Like because those things, those things. How do I how do I phrase this? So, with HIV, it's like, you know, you 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 go into these sexual situations thinking that like you're invincible, you know. And this is again before prep, thinking that you're right. invincible and like you know you put yourself at risky situations, and then when you find out, you're like, I was invincible five minutes ago and I'm not anymore. And this, like this, just this. Just this, like, I don't know what to do with myself. Like, I, I want to live, but I also want to die. I, I know that I have more to live for, but, like, what am I living for? I want I want so badly to pursue things, but I also just want to pursue death. And so the so when I talked about the addiction part of side of things, um, it wasn't an everyday thing right away. Like, you know, and I, I, yeah. I was, like, weird about having sex with people. But then, you know, I which I showed up to this hotel room where this guy that I had a crush on was, and there were other people there. And they're like, well, if you want to stay, you have to get on our level. So what I did, I was like, I picked up a meth pipe. And I say that because I say that be, and it's a real, it's a real thing. And I say that because I've talked, I, I share about this in recovery meetings, but I also share about this very openly is that because of the shame and the stigma of HIV, I felt like I had to give in to this thing in, in order. And then I felt like I was a part of, like I felt like I was yeah. a part of, and I felt I felt for the first time I felt like I fit in somewhere, and I could like, and I'll say this the way that I say it, and like you can bleep it out or whatnot, but um, it's to fuck without fear. 
Um, and in the moment, that's that's literally what I felt is that I could do yeah. that um, because other people around me were doing the same thing. And um, I'm so glad for where we are with medication and with prevention now and where yeah. I can remain undetectable, you know, undetectable equals untransmittable and that, you know, people are on PrEP and neither of us can either transmit um, HIV or um it, it, it's it's just we're in such a wonderful place with that um more on that later but yeah it wasn't that wasn't a thing when i found out i was hiv positive so i just lived in the shame and i i i, I ended up like going from like once a month or once every couple months to once a month to once a week to a couple times a week to every single day for about eight or nine months that i was using that um and i remember the last time i used that i was awake for like eight days awake wow. for eight days yeah and so i i was like I, I need to like get a job i need to do these things and it was a few months later when i finally got completely sober um and thank think i think the universe or god or whatever it is people believe in the yeah. sky or community a, yeah um because if it weren't for things like broadway bears and like miss hell's kitchen and uh these these things where people are hiv positive or their allies around for giving me the ability to express myself in a healthy way um then i don't think i would be the person that i am today again there was still a lot of shame but they gave me outlets to be able to express myself and be have a safe space right so obviously i asked about drugs and alcohol you're sober so now i'll just kind of tell my story i never really like i had like a night I had like one bad night with alcohol where like I almost got a DUI and that kind of like woke me up a little bit. But like in terms of drugs, I never abused anything illegal. I did abuse ibuprofen going back to like having bone spurs. So before I had health insurance, I struggled for like four months trying to get health insurance. And like in that time, I would be taking. 18 to 24 ibuprofen a day like that's not good for your system girl no it's no i know it's not like that's why like at some point like towards the end of the like four months like when i finally got there i'm like i need to stop this and like everyone around me that like saw me taking the pills that knew about it was like they're like you need to stop this is not good for you i'm like i'm fine I'm like, I'm only taking these four. And then it's like, I would go home and I would take more and more. But it's like, you're in so much pain that you just want it to go away. Yeah. And like, well, I'm glad that you're, I'm glad that you're not there yeah. anymore. Yeah. No, I don't, I'm like in a place now where like, I could never go back to that. Like, that's, <sighs> it's scary. You're right. Like, that can do damage to you. Like, if I had been more than four months, I probably would like be way worse off than I am now. Like, yeah. well, I'm glad you're not there anymore. Thank you. I'm glad you're not there anymore either. Thank like, you. Thank you. Yeah. Like meth pipes. Goodbye. Um, alcohol out the window. Um, but yeah. Seven and a half years sober now. So I'm just like, yeah, I work. And like, I am someone like in terms of performing, like I know how to perform sober. I really don't drink that much when I perform. Like, or hardly at all. There's some nights I'll have zero drinks when I perform. Like, and it's just because, like, I feel especially being a singer, like, it's better for my voice to have water than it is for my voice to have alcohol. So it's like, 
Yeah, agreed. But but I am one of those people who like, and you've been at this point. But I'm someone who like when I hear somebody say like I have to get my shots before I perform. It's like if you need to be fucked up to perform, maybe you're not that good. Well, I mean, I hear I I, I say this. I say when I used to do it, I did it more for. Uh, a social lubricant or I yeah. did it for um, the liquid courage as now it's like, I don't need that, but yeah. I, I don't, I, I understand the people that do need it. And that's, that's them. And like, yeah, that's just not me. And so like, and, as like, you know, some of them are fantastic performers. They just don't know how to do it without, you know, because of the social anxiety and the stage fright. So then when they have a shot or two, or maybe three, even, you know, that's like, that would, that's, that's okay for them. For me, it doesn't work because I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. For them, right. for them, it might work because they're not, or they just need that. But for me, it doesn't work. So, look at him making me sound judgy. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm just no, 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 no. I, I, I'm kidding. I, like... I, 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 this is this is the thing about me. Even relationships and stuff. Now, I, I'm not perfect, but in general, yeah. like I try to reframe things in a more positive light because we, uh, we as a community, we have to be our right. own best friends. First of all, we have to be like our best friends with ourselves. We also have to yeah. be best friends with the people around us. And the, in the sense of like, in the sense of like, you don't have to be friends with everyone yeah. in the sense of like, I'm here to support you. Um, yeah. And whatever you're going through or whatever you need for you, even if it's not healthy for me and I need to put up a boundary, yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm still going to be, I'm still going to embrace and accept you for where you're at because we all have our own stories and we all have our own traumas and we all have our own things that we've been through and are currently going through. So I'm here to support you in whichever way you need, but also the way that like I possibly can. And sometimes that's by being like, I need distance. I need, I need right. space. Um, so that's, it's, it's not, it's not to sound, make you sound judgy. It's just to, no, no, no. It's, to re, it's to reframe. I, I do this thing where I reframe things a lot um, to try to see the other side of it. Right. And again, I, uh, trust me, I, I can be I can be a judgy bitch, but like I try I try to see the other side of it. Well, I have a tendency to turn things negative, but that's also because like in some ways I'm the person who like when I'm with somebody I'm like comfortable with, I'm the person who like makes likes to make jokes the whole time. So it's like I have a tendency to like turn stuff a little bit negative because there's no such thing as a positive comedian. Like me, HIV here. Hello, remember? <laughs> <laughs> work the jokes write themselves yeah so where the hell am i oh <laughs> i got there oh, okay i found it so when did you start doing only fans i started doing only fans in this in the fall of 2019 and i started with andre thomas and Chirac. those were like the first people that i filmed with um and they're both fabulous, amazing people. I love them both. And Chirac is just a beautiful human being. And I love that he's such an activist. And I'm glad that we filmed and we're still friends today. Work. Well, you already said, I was saying, like, who are some of the content creators you worked with? Those are the two that you first worked with. Anyone else you want to mention? Um, I did a, I did a lot of solo stuff too in the beginning, but I, I filmed. I mean, over the years, I've I filmed with lots of people now. Um, so uh, and the poor and 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 people that I never thought I would film with, like even people that like I'm friends with now, that like when I was younger growing up, and like these people that like gave me sexual awakening just by being in a porno mag or in a porno. But like, yeah. okay, so um, I I mean, I've worked with. I mean, I've worked with everyone at this point. Um, that was like somebody like that I wanted to. Um, 
Uh, that's a lie. There's a few that I still want to work with, but I'm, I'm not really filming right now. Um, so I've worked with like Rocco Steele, um, Diego Sands, okay. uh, Miguel Reyes, who's like Ray XXL. Um, I've worked with um, uh, Adam Gray. I've worked with, oh my God, who else? Ray Diesel. Um, I, I mean, I've, I've literally worked with so many of these content creators. Um, Jordan Starr. Uh, Cole Connor, uh, you so a, a lot of the, and then even the people who have smaller accounts, just because sometimes those are the hottest scenes because you're not trying to Good. live up to something. Right. But like I, I, I really love every, I love, I love the community for the most part. Um, I am a very, I'm a very energy person. Um, so I've been in that energy before where it's just like about the work, but now I'm in a place of like my energy exchange. I'm protecting my energy. So if I, even even just like outside of filming when it comes to sex, um, but like I, I love every I, I, I appreciate everyone that I filmed with. Um, I've even done like content creator like getaways, like uh, where we go to a retreat and we go to a house and there's like 18 of us and we all film a bunch of fucking for like oh, like a few days or a weekend. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah. But I, I I've appreciated uh, the experience of filming and of uh, having this idea of sexual freedom and being a content creator and a sex worker and realizing like how much work it actually takes to be a sex worker. Where right. at like one point in the summer of 2021, before I like really took a break from filming, um, yeah. I was like one of the biggest up and coming bottoms on the scene. Um, and I, I just, I just needed to take a step back for myself. Um, and that's okay. But like, I, I really, yeah. I also say Diego stands is amazing. Well, Diego Sands is one of the names that I recognize that you had worked with. I mean, Diego Sands is Diego Sands, and yeah, um, Diego Sands is a great human being. I and and I say this, and I say this because Diego has had a lot of um, controversy because of you know the Teesler. Um, but what had happened? What had happened was, and I'm not I'm not defending the Teesler or anything. But what I will say is that when he said it. Um, as a comment, it was toward his friend who is transgender and they yeah. have, you know, they have that, they have that rapport with each other. And so right. when he doubled down when he doubled down on that aspect, because him and I, before I would film with him, him and I sat down and we had coffee and we talked about yeah. it. And I, I've come to realize that Diego Sands is one of the most loving, supportive um, uh, human beings out there. Like I, I genuinely love Diego. Um, we've had a lot of great conversations conversations and he's come to see my drag shows and we film yeah. together and just such a wonderful human being so I, sometimes i try to i try to challenge that other side when it's like i, I got to know him and he's just really yeah. wonderful um also rocco steel rocco steel is another wonderful human being um rocco steel i don't know if you know rocco steel he's a daddy with a like 10 inch like but like this thick penis um and it was he's just such a sweetheart i've known him for years and we finally got to have sex because we like we wanted to and it was on yeah. camera yeah for more information you can go to www.onlyfans.com forward slash the only jmb yeah as i said the one name that i was expecting you to say i don't know i know he lives in new york that's why i didn't know if you worked with him um max connor oh i love max i love max yeah. so much yeah we, we we never filmed a fuck scene together um when we did when we filmed i we only fooled around because he had a bunch of other filming and like he had like a cam four scene that night so he couldn't yeah. come so it was 
it, so it was with Dion. Um, and so Dion, Dion and I filmed and then Max just fooled around with us and Max is such a sweetheart. Um, we've yeah. been trying to set up for years to film. It just never worked out. Also like Austin Wolf, I yeah. filmed with Austin Wolf, obviously. Yeah. Um, Austin Wolf is literally one of my oldest uh, fuck buddies in New York City. Like Work. since I was, since I moved here. So from that, I will preface this. So some people probably don't know what this award is outside of New York. I do because literally my friend Benji Bradshaw was nominated for an award this year for the Glam Awards. So, so what was that like for you the night you won your Glam Award? So I'm actually a multi-glam award-winning person um, here in the city. Um, and so for 29, yeah, I've been nominated so many years, like in different categories, like door god or goddess and uh, party host and best dancer, uh, best dance performer, um, and so on and so forth. I've been I've been nominated for a lot of different categories, um, but I won for best go-go. I uh, yeah. early 2020 when the. Uh, we had the Glam Awards for 2019. Um, I won Best Go-Go Dancer. And that was that was like really big for me because I had been Adonis every, and a, like Vinny Vega, like every year for like the six years before that. And so I was like, okay, well, like I'm not gonna win, but like, I'm still gonna try my hardest. And I won. Right. I won and, I, and I, I was like the first award of the night and I went up to the stage and I like dropped into a split. And I was like, this is like 13 years of me Go-Go Dancing in the making to be able yeah. to make this happen. So like, thank you so much because this means so much to me. Like, this is about body and sex positivity. This is about inclusion, and this is about uh, diversity and about like and all these things. And then so this year, oh my God, this is this is very interesting. Um, so this year, I got COVID just before the Glam Awards, so um, I couldn't go to the Glam Awards. So I had people messaging me when I won the Glam Award, and they were like. Oh my God, you won! And I was like, ah. Um, yeah. and actually, the guy that I the guy that I've been seeing, I don't know where we're at right now. Um, but the guy that I've been seeing and talking to, like, was there, and he's like, I thought I was the person to go get your award, and I was like, oh, you're my person now. Anyway, so it was it was like this whole thing, and I was like, it was just really cool to win and not be there, and it was kind of dope and badass that I was like, oh, I'm not there, but I still won. Uh, no, I'm 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 really grateful to the community because this is this is a nightlife community based voting system and so yeah. to win an award by uh voted on by your peers it's like it's similar it's very on a very much smaller scale but it's very similar to like the sag after awards like where it's like this is, these are your peers these are your peers yeah. voting for you so it's like the cream of the crop of new york city nightlife voting for you and i just really appreciate it because my burlesque is so much different than a lot of other people's like it's very hybrid um and so it's just i it was i still haven't got my trophy cherry jubilee Jackie Huba, I still have not received that trophy. I'm coming for you. Um, right. No, no, no. Uh, no, but it was, it was. I'm just really grateful. It's really cool to win a Glam Award and to be recognized by your peers. Which I will say, I only saw like clips because, again, as I said, my friend Benji was nominated this year. So, like, I saw. I wanted to ask him. You missed. Well, you've probably seen this person perform before. Um, Kevin Aviance. Oh, Kevin. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Oh, Kevin is I love Kevin. Kevin is a friend. Uh, yeah, I love Kevin so much. Uh, yeah. You just made, my, you just made me smile because yeah. Kevin is just an, an icon. I know. I, I actually got introduced to Kevin Aviance through Hey Queen. Okay. So like, 
So like, I think they were doing like some sort of fundraiser. I'm like, who is this Kevin Aviance? Like, but that's the thing. Like, I am one of those people who's like, and I will say this: if you only know drag queens who are in drag race, you need to branch out and expand what you know. I mean, I like I said, my my, my drag mama is Sherry Vine. Sure. So like, my, yeah. my my drag family looks like Jackie Beats. My drag family looks like Joey Arias. My drag family looks like Raven O. My drag family looks like Linda Simpson, Varla Jean Merman. Like that's 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 yeah. the lineage that I come from. You know, like that's or, that's the drag that I've like grown up. Yeah, on. Peppermint, Shaquita. Um, yeah, old school drag. Like that's that's what right. I know. And it's like, as I say, through Hey Queen was like I learned about some of the um older Russians. I'm gonna say, say I, I, I'm gonna say legend. I don't want to say old. I don't want to make geriatric. The... I'll say geriatric. <laughs> well, these are your you friends. They no, won't, they won't. They won't cancel me for this. They'll, they'll yeah. Like, oh, like, oh. The, these are these are your friends, bitch. At some point, I'm trying to interview some of these people. Like, I want them to like I me. Mean, <laughs> I have one thing to say. Old. <laughs> old. <laughs> Outdated. Expired. Retired. Fired. Me, I'm fired now. <laughs> yeah. I think it's someone, someone. But some of them still know how to party. I've heard I've heard crazy things about Shishi LaRue. Like Oh Shishi. Yeah. Oh, I've known her for years. Oh, I that's uh, you want to talk about a good time gal. I love Chi-Chi LaRue. Chi-Chi LaRue is one of my favorites. I used to do events with her back when I was like 20, like 18 to 20 years old. I love Chi-Chi oh, LaRue. Shout yeah. out. Big hearts to Chi-Chi LaRue. Yeah. I don't know. She may actually see this. She follows me. She hasn't well, agreed. I'll, she I'll she, she hasn't agreed. Her. Yeah, she hasn't agreed to come on here yet, but like I've asked. You got to stay built. Oh, no, yeah. I love Shishi. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, so like, that's that, that was my experience with the Glam Award. I think that that was, like, a, I think that it's just, like, a really nice thing to be voted on by your peers. Right. So, okay. Well, you can kind of say this. You call them old. I have a different word on here. So, what is it like knowing so many legendary drag queens? Just knowing that I can fit in with them and keep up with them. Um, <laughs> no, uh, it's it's kind of cool. Uh, I learn a lot from them, um, and I, I take a lot of note from them. Um, like when I was in when I was in Nashville recently, like Aurora Sexton, who is just this iconic trans performer and just trans person in general. She's amazing. She's incredible. Um, and like even just there, and her just like taking a second to like help me in the mirror with something with my makeup that like I just didn't think about it. You know, ever before, yeah. and she's like, "Just try this." And I was like, "Okay, cool." And I did it, and it like, it just just that one little thing just elevated my makeup so much more. And uh, so knowing all these, knowing all these legends, and like being supported and supporting them, and just like being a family, it's really cool. It's really cool. And you know what? I am a legend. I am an icon in New York City. Uh, no, I'm not going to say that. Um, I'm on my way to being one because I learned from the best. Well, I mean, you'll get there soon. Like, you've been there how long? I'm just not. I'm just not above the age of sixty yet. So, no. <laughs> I will. I will. I, believe, believe I me, girl. I don't need. I don't need a walker. I don't need yeah. a walker, a cane, or a wheelchair yet. But once I'm there, once I'm there, you can call me a legend and a icon. <laughs> girl, I'll, girl, I won't. I won't ask your age because, like, 
somebody Blink like 182 blink 182 what's my age again baby what's my age again <laughs> well this was the thing i had to admit it on the podcast i didn't want to but somebody asked me my age i'm like well now i have to be honest because i've been lo- i've been like i'm around this age like you and i are close in age i used to say that all the time to the guests and then finally somebody asked me and they're like i'm like fine it's like fine you're yeah. right you and i are the same age i'm fucking 28 like yeah i mean it's i mean work but yeah. working with them is working with them and knowing them is really yeah i'm grateful for it because i i have reference of old school stuff plus i have reference of the new school and new age stuff so it, it's nice because then you can kind of uh, uh, mix the two and make it what it is and also understand that my drag is valid, even though it's not what everybody else does. Um, but that also makes it punk and it makes it a little like fucking rock star. And I love that. So shout out to being punk and being different. Yeah, girl, don't, don't nobody know that different than I do. Like, mm. I am the one who's like, I am also someone who's like, as much as people like, will you perform Nicole Scherzinger? So you probably know this a little bit. It's like, I am someone who's not afraid to perform something that's not a hit song. Mm. Same. But, but I, I prefer to do. I do prefer to do something outside the box. Like for instance, I'm doing. A, I'm doing a Britney Spears party on Saturday. I'm doing Kill the Lights, and everybody's like, "Oh, that's yes." A I'm like, "Yeah," but I'm like, "But baby, but baby, I don't perform her. I don't perform the hits." I perform like kill the lights. I perform. I mean, breathe on me is pretty much is gorgeous, but breathe on me and like yeah. I, I like toy soldier. Like I don't do I don't Work. do toxic. I, I don't do circus. I don't do uh, I don't do baby one more time. I, I don't do oops I did it again. I don't do uh, I don't do any of like give me more like those there's songs I won't perform because it's like it's overdone by drag artists and it's like I want to do something that like and do it and do it well too. That's the thing. It's like. Like for kill the lights, like baby, I I am I am punk. I'm I've been in front of a camera enough. I'm fierce. I'm ferocious. I'm a fashion diva. So like, give it to me. And also and also like, there's a certain level of confidence and energy you have to do to perform those songs. And so like, kill the yeah. lights. Kill the lights is like, mm, baby, bring it. You know. And so I I love being able to do something different for people. Well, okay. So to your point of performing hit songs, I do it, but it's also like. I think it's a little bit different because obviously I'm singing live, so like, oh yeah, they, they yeah. are they are when getting a different when experience. Sing, when, yeah. when you're singing live, it's like people want to sing along with that stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I get that aspect of it. Yeah, but like, I mean, again, working with working with like these legends and icons and knowing them has just been super amazing. But like, for example, the last time I performed, I was competing to like perform at Pride in my area, and like. Most people would have done a hit song, and the song I decided to choose, it's just because I wanted to do it, was Staring at the Sun by Anastasia. Like, I just wanted to do that song, and I said, I don't care that my voice doesn't sound pretty in this song, and that there's points where it sounds like I'm screaming the vocals. I don't give a shit. I want to do this song. I fucking did it and lost, but... (laughs) But you did it, honey, but you did it. Sometimes you gotta take a risk. And by doing that, you were turning yourself into a legend and an icon one day, yeah. baby. So kudos to you. Yeah. So. What? Okay. No, I have a question at the bottom I'm going to ask first. So, have you ever suffered with body issues? Oh, baby doll, sweetie darling. Yes, of course I have. 
I'm a dancer. Uh, when I yeah. was younger, I was anorexic for a little bit. I always compared and despaired my body with the other dancers in the room. Um, I, you know, I, I also, uh, you know, being when you when you put yourself out there and I was and this is I say this proudly, but I also say this in a way of like a warning to other people. Like I was one of the first people on social media that's posting body photos, like, and I wanted queer people anyway. Like I was doing it before it was like, you know, people used to say, oh my God, you're posting a shirtless photo. Oh my God, I can't date you. You know, that was that time. And now they're getting double fisted on Twitter, you know? So it's what? like, I, I, the doors I've opened, sweetie, the doors I've opened, that, I mean, and in that case, the assholes I've opened. Um, but it's, uh, no, but it's, it's interesting because even when I, after coming out as non-binary and like, I went into the gym where it's like a lot of cis gay men, you know, I also had like a lot of, not only body dysmorphia, but gender dysphoria in a lot of ways. And I had to like, there was a lot of work that I had to do on myself to get to a point where I was super comfortable in my own skin being where I'm at. And, uh, it was, I actually, up until a few months ago, I was not very happy with my body and I was gaining weight. I was getting thicker. And, and this is the thing. It's like body positivity yes i'm all for all different shapes and sizes i think i think that i think all different body types are beautiful but for myself i had you know it was so weird seeing my body in a different way than i had for a long time and i had worked so hard to keep my body like i you know being doing fitness and stuff like that's just stuff that i'm super passionate about so it wasn't until about mid-january where i kind of took hold of my body again and like my health um my personal health and like I, I in the last few months i've gone from being like super and my from what is super thick for me um yeah. to being snatched again and it's been uh it's helped me a lot because i forgot how passionate i am about moving my body and being in the gym um and i also it's also helped me like reframe my diet again about like the things that i'm eating um yeah. you know and i i cut back on eating meat and i'm i've gone to eating more plant-based again um occasionally i'll have fish or meat but like not as often like maybe like once oh like once every couple weeks but if even if even um but then when i do it like i start feeling like my stomach just gets weird and i'm like you know what i'm good i i don't mind eating plant-based it's great so yes i've suffered from um body issues a lot but i'm i'm working on um serenity and peace for myself and patience and not beating myself up right and i totally get that unrealistic thing well as I always say, being a bigger person, of course, I suffered body issues. I also suffered from, again, you said that unrealistic weight. At one point, I was in the mindset that I'm like, I need to be 150, 160 pounds. I'm six foot three. That's not realistic in the slightest. Well, we're also we're also part of a society yeah. that has for so long um, idolize this, un, like this unattainable, unrealistic version of what you should be or what you need to be in order to find yourself attractive based off yeah. of, you know, uh, media and advertisements and just the world, just in general capitalism, if yeah. for the longest time thrived around this unattainable thing that, you know, we all strove for and we would do anything to have. So the fact that there's so much more representation now and there's a body positivity is such a beautiful thing. So um, I'm, I'm glad that you found a way for yourself to not, uh, you know, beat yourself up same as me and like, just like be yeah. comfortable in your own skin as who you are, because baby, we were born this way. Um, but no, seriously, body, yeah. body beautiful. And I, I'm a strong believer in that. And uh, I, it, I, I had to learn to accept my body for what it was. And it was yeah. nice having people around me that would, you know, lift me up and be like, baby, your thickness is beautiful. And I'd be like, thanks. 
so yeah, I, I've, I've definitely struggled, but now I'm in a place of like, okay, I feel, I feel, I feel comfortable again, but also, but again, I, cause I posted something a few weeks ago about like my, my body transformation since November till April and somebody like rolled their eyes about it. I was like, no, but you don't get to roll your eyes at that. Because yeah. even though it wasn't as thicker as some people can get and, or are it, it for me, it was, it was a period of depression. And I got, right. and it's a sign that I got out of that, which is healthy yeah, and it's work. great. So anyway, yeah. So um, I, 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 I could still struggle from time to time, but you know, ultimately just being patient and kind with myself. And it's also my way of saying this is like, I am into black guys and black guys are into me and black guys like an ass. So luckily I have work. one. Work. <laughs> work. Work. Definitely. Definitely. So where was I? Oh, so I know you like briefly stated this. So what are your thoughts on the state of how queer people are currently being treated now? I love it. It's great. Um, (laughs) So Okay, so obviously, like we talked about this, like I went to Nashville and I um, yeah. I performed in the Drag is Good event um, uh, produced by Big Dipper and hosted by Alaska and Willem. Um, so obviously, I don't like it. I'm a huge advocate yeah. for our community, whether it become HIV or LGBTQ plus rights and issues, um, trans rights and uh, trans issues, non-binary issues. Um, I, I think that, you know, where people are calling us groomers. I was like, baby, I groom myself. I don't need to groom you too. It's enough yeah. work keeping this pretty. Um, but it's also like, I don't have, a, I don't have a license in cosmetology. I'm not trying to groom anyone else. Right. Um, it's, it's, I'm just, I'm at a place where I, I believe that they have nothing better to focus on the, the, the conservatives that are, you know, coming for queer people. Um, they also don't know how to do their jobs. So they're just focusing on things that are trigger words and like um, things that will get their base riled up and to get them reelected so that they can make money and just be assholes. Um, hello, capitalism. Yeah. But but I, I don't like it. And that's why I stand up and I speak loud. Um, I'm just very loud about my thoughts and about what I'm feeling. And I, uh, I will defend queer kids to the end of this earth um, because I had very few but i still have people defending it for me and i had good representation and i don't i like even even as a sex worker as all the stuff that i've done it's all experience to help me go help other people i'm there to be of service to other people so anything that i can do to um uplift queer people um and combat anti-lgbtq plus legislation is something that i'm willing to do um queer queer kids especially trans especially trans kids need our support um yes. I, I i don't i don't stand with any of this hateful rhetoric and uh i i'm also someone that right now i might be considering getting off twitter because twitter has silently opened up uh they've, they've stopped um policing we'll call it uh dead naming people yes so now you can so now you can detonate people on Twitter and I don't agree with that. So it's, it's like Twitter, you're literally putting yourself in the shitter. So like, good for you. Twitter in the shitter. It's a new hashtag. I'm going to create it today. Um, but it's, uh, it's really, it's just deplorables, you know, deplorables. 
anyway, that's how I feel about it. And I'm going to continue to fight for it, to fight for LGBTQ plus rights always. See, to your point of Twitter, this is my argument for all social media. It's like, if I didn't have like a podcast to promote, if I didn't have music to promote, I would not be on social media. Like if I didn't have stuff to promote, I don't see the point in it. Like other than like occasionally like Twitter porn, but like other than that, like, I mean, Twitter porn. Hello. Yeah. But it's like, in terms of what you're saying, it's stuff that I totally agree with. And in some ways they're infringing on people's like livelihoods when they're starting to do all these like drag bands. Cause it's like, you're making it so that people can't work. I mean, I don't. Brand- I don't want kids in my drag show anyway. Yeah, that's because the what thing. I do. What I do. What I do is inappropriate for children. My ass is out half the time. I'm performing. Like these are not things I want children to see. Like my- that's why when they when they talk about great, like you know, like letter grading or like you know ratings on shows, like my show would be like an R-rated show because I'm I'm doing this stuff. But like I don't, I don't want kids to be in my show. You know what I mean? Like I want adults in my show. I want people who are mature enough to handle it. Like, hello. It's also like you say your ass is out. Like I'm, I'm the drag queen who doesn't pad. So like my actual ass is out. Like Same. it's out. It's out. Usually covered in fishnets, but nonetheless, it's out. Like <laughs> I don't even have fishnets. Like, Mine's just out. Yeah. Well, that's because somebody told a drag queen told me at one point before I started wearing fishnets. She's like, "This was when I was a little bit bigger, so like bigger than I was now. So like through the bone spurs, I was able to drop forty pounds, and it was like the greatest thing that happened to me. So it's like, well, that's the only good thing about having bone spurs was I was able to drop weight. But and that's now it's like now I'll wear fishnets because it's like yeah, like." Being 40 pounds heavier and being now, like, I stretched all my body suits out. So, like, yeah, my ass is out. Like, Come on, ass and, out. You know? Yeah, but, that's, but that's why we don't want kids at our drag shows. So parents don't yeah. bring your kids to our drag shows. Unless we tell you that it's a rating that we want your kids there, great. But until then, stop bringing your kids to our drag shows. Only yeah. if it's an age-appropriate show. I, I'm just, like, yeah. in, I'm in this place of where LGBTQ plus rights still need to be fought for. And we're doing it by being on the front lines. Yeah, and also, like, to this point, like, even this podcast, kids should not be viewing this podcast. Like, at some point, like, I have the tendency to ask, like, sex workers and porn workers, I want them to get into details about stuff. Like, when I had, for example, when I had Rico on, I wanted him to tell me the freakiest thing that happened on set to him. I wanted to know right. that. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. Graphic so... detail. Yeah. So, like, when it comes to queer rights, it's, like, obviously, it's just, it's it's very similar to heterosexuals. It's, like, I'm not going to take my kids to, like, a strip club. Like, that's just not something I'm going to do, you know? Yeah. But, like, uh, but maybe I want to go on the weekend and be, like, hey, I'm going to get freaky deaky. But, like, that's the thing. It's, like, it's, it, it, why come for us? Why not? Why, why are, why, why? Just, just back off, stay in your own lane, and uh, be more loving and kind. That's all. Right. Anyway. Um, so. Okay, so no, you already answered those two. Um, so now to my final question, the one that always makes people think. Well, not everyone. Some people have an answer like that. It's what is the biggest misconception about you? 
Oh, that's a good one. Because I don't. Uh, okay, so it's funny. It, this is actually really funny. So I'm I'm a very I'm I'm very aware um, of myself most of the time. Um, I'm very very aware. Um, I'm a very emotional person, um, but I'm not afraid to express my emotions. And a lot of people, and I've heard this before, and people like, there's a few things. Either people think I'm toxic, one, um, or they think that I'm like this like rude bitch that doesn't want to talk to them. And I'm like, no, that's actually not true. I'm actually quite kind, um, but I also protect my energy. So like, if you're off there acting like a crazy bitch, like I'm just gonna be like, all right, cool. I need to like protect my energy. I'm out. Um, I also am like practically blind. So sometimes I don't see people in public. Like, and so like, <laughs> I don't wear contacts either. So like, I don't say hi cause I don't notice it's them if they're like all the way across the room. Um, but as far as being toxic, I think it's interesting because uh, I express myself very thoroughly and very precisely. Um, and I, I'm, I, I'm very, I'm very, articulate i'll put it and so people misconstrue that sometimes for uh being toxic which is just uh, i guess an example and a way of saying how weird times are they like you think i'm toxic because i have the ability to communicate what i'm thinking right and i'm like maybe maybe that's just more of a sign that you need to go to therapy and learn how to communicate your thoughts in a more dynamic and precise way um and again, I'm not perfect. Like I have my times, but like, I'm also just very sassy and me. And I'm not like, if, if I'm going to be rude to you, like it's probably because you did something like really, really offensive to me. And half the time I just kind of be like, you live your life. I'll be over here until you decide that you want to act appropriately. Right. Um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of me. And, 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 I'm, and if I do act toxically, I'm also the type of person where I am aware. And it might take me a second to realize where I'm wrong and I'll come back and I'll apologize about it later on and I'll make an amends because that's just what I've learned to do. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's, it's just, it's, it's funny that people would say that about me and I'm like, all right, well, you live your life. And also people have that misconception of me because they've known me since before when I was drinking and drugging. Yeah. So I was a much different person then. And so when yes, they talk to me now, they're like, they're, they're, they're like, oh, I'm like, yes, who I was 10 years ago is not who I am today. Yeah. Go, go figure. If I were, then I would say yes. Call me toxic. I would say I have answered... I've never answered this question accurately. The one thing that I would say probably is a misconception of me is that like, I can be shady. A lot of the times it's not intentional. Well, this is my thing. Like, You can literally see it Like, once we're done. like You can go look at the first interview I did with Phoenix and like there are two times Phoenix called me out for being shady and it wasn't me being shady. It was just the way I wrote things like mm. literally I like when I was like writing the like intro bio, I said like former star of for the love of Dills cause they had just gotten eliminated the week before. And like, dude, and he's That's like, funny, though. That's funny. Though. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> and the other thing I did was I asked him if he had real friends and like, that's, Oh no. That's and it's and it's like and I'm like that opened a conversation for me again like as I told you before first person I talked to in LA I had a lot of misconceptions about LA going into the interview with Phoenix and my mind got changed like that can't I happen love I, I love I Phoenix. know I know I love Phoenix too I've interviewed Phoenix twice like I love Phoenix oh fierce 
Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I guess misconceptions, all, I mean, misconceptions are all from a place of perception. So yeah. everybody, everybody has a different idea of who someone is based off of who they are. So, you know, it's, it's just, it's just an interesting thing. And so like people can, and here's the, here's the end of this, this whole sec, this whole question for me is yeah. that people can choose to think what they want to about me. Their perception of me is not my reality. Um, right. And so like their opinion of me is really none of my business. If they like me, great. If they don't, fantastic. But ultimately I'm going to be me regardless. And uh, yeah, that's that. And also I think another thing is like a misconception about me. I feel like a lot of people think I'm shorter than I actually am. Like, I guess like that's... You know what? I guess, you know what? I guess, I guess there is a misconception about me because I present very like male presenting in person. A lot of people think I'm top. Girl, what? I'm not kidding. No, when seriously. I room, I, the, no, when I walk into a room because I have, I have such a strong energy that when I walk into a room, there are people that will be like they they literally think I'm a top. All the bottoms asses will turn towards me when I walk into a room, and I, I'm not kidding. All the, you know, and I do top occasionally, but like it's very because I'm also six foot. So like you have these like five foot seven bottoms who are like yeah. literally their asses turn my direction. I'm like, well, if I were in the mood, but I'm not. So. See anyway, yeah, I, so it's it's just interesting. Um, you can't see me that way because you've seen my Twitter, but yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I really appreciate this interview today. Like, I yeah. I really like being able to discuss, uh, have conversations with people, um, and where on a platform where other people are going to see this and they can learn more yeah. about you, learn more about me, and learn more yeah. about queer people in their community, um, and, and who are from different places and different backgrounds. Yeah, and I do this and like one of the things to like close it up, like why I feel like I share so much of myself with the guests is because I don't know if it's this way for every guest, but I want people to trust me. Like that's probably my, like my biggest thing. That's why I told you like my goal is not to make you cry. Like I'm not one of those like Diane Sawyer, Britney Spears, like got you. Like I'm going to ask you all these questions to intentionally make you cry on camera for some like, ratings i i fucking hate that like well i don't i don't i don't think that those people want to they're what what these journalists are doing is they're they're not they're not sitting there to try to make people cry they're sitting there trying to get the answer or the truth from them um whereas this is this is more of an entertainment one where we're just talking about um our experiences um so that's just me talking about my experiences but um i i i want to thank you for having me on today um of course i'm yeah, I'm very excited. Um, I'm going to promote this when it comes out. And so thank you for everyone that's going to watch this in advance. Um, yeah. If you if you want to see me in New York, um, this will be up for... How long is this up for? Like six, seven days after this? Well, this is the thing. As I, as I explained to you now, literally since it's so early, I can probably like rip it and I will probably be up on YouTube tonight. On, tw- on Here, Twitch so... will be. On, on Twitch okay. will be up for six days, but on YouTube it will be oh, up so probably YouTube tonight. Forever. Yeah. Forever. Um, yeah. forever. So, um, if that's the case, great. I'm very excited. Thank you for having me on today. Um, yeah. If you, so when you see this, just know that in New York City, tomorrow, Thursday, I'll be at Club Coming. Saturday, I'll be at Boxer's Hell's Kitchen. I'm doing two pop-up shows um, yeah. with a, another queen, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, it's Britney Spears night. Work. Give me, give me more. Um, and then I'm, I'm going to be in Nashville again soon. I'm hosting the um, Southeastern Entertainer of the Year pageant, which I'm really excited about. I'm hosting yeah. a pageant. Um, and then... I'm doing a play that's coming up. Check it out. The Village of Disco Musical, Broadway Bear season. So go da- donate. 
follow me on all socials, the only JMV, and on Twitter, the only JMVX. Yeah. And remember that that's just my vibe. So anyway, with that, I'm definitely going to pay attention to you. If you're ever back in Florida, I'd love to meet. Like, Let's do it. Yeah. I, was, I was just talking to Sin earlier because I might be going down to uh, Fort Lauderdale in May, but I'm not sure yet. Um, yeah. If I get booked to Alibi, I'll definitely go. But otherwise, I'll be down there soon enough. Um, yeah. But I thank you again for today. I appreciate you. Of course. And with that being said, this has been Gay Out the City. I'm your host, Prince Electro Diamond, and I hope you've enjoyed.